You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Welcome, everybody, to We Have Issues, Geek Elite Media Show that's about everything literary, books, comic books, webcomics, manga, and everything else you might be reading. This is your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my stalwart sidekick, who's always at my side, Hosway. Hello, and I'm so fucking excited to talk about these comics. Me too. is a good week of comics. One of our smaller weeks in recent memory, thank goodness, Yeah, because uh, my wallet is very thankful for that, but uh, definitely some good stuff in there, and I can't wait to talk about Um. Some books that we were kind of waiting to pay off paid off, I would say. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> I, think that, I think that was kind of like the theme of the week is books that we were kind of like, this is good. Hope I like gets, that. Hope something happens. And But that happened like three times this week. So. <laughs> um, so we have some news. We don't have a lot of news usually, but I have several things I want to talk about. Josue, first of all, have you heard about the new Darkhawk? The new Darkhawk? Actually, no. So remember how we got that one shot for Darkhawk? Yeah, uh, and they killed off the the guy in the Dark Hawk costume at the end, Chris Powell. He mm-hmm. sacrificed himself, and it sent the little Dark Hawk amulet away. Remember? And I'm yeah. like, maybe we'll get a new Dark Hawk. We do. Uh, <laughs> the new person's name is Connor Young. We don't know much about this yet, mm-hmm. as far as who is going to do it, as far as like what Connor Young is like. But yeah, but we have some concept art. Oh, nice and. They changed up the costume, and I think you're really going to like it. Uh, this is uh, Pepe Larraz. <gasps> okay, it's already going to be a good piece of I art know. anyway. So I'm, I'm not going to hold it up because it'd be on my phone, so I'm just going to send it to you in chat. No, for sure. Um, in Facebook chat, that is. So <laughs> there's the concept art. Oh, sick. See, that's kind of what it always should be. I mean, because, yeah, like, I'm glad it got a redesign. Yeah. The, re- the original, as classic as, as one might say, it is very part of the times yeah this looks sick as fuck and look at the gauntlet and the wings oh totally yeah and like then once, once it needs to embellish and like just like be hey look at me once it, once it needs to peacock and like do its thing it looks really cool too but right as simple as it is it looks really cool and there's a cover oh nice okay so so you <gasps> oh. don't know you don't know the creative team yet then no so this might be very interesting uh i'm gonna quote this and i'm gonna see if you can figure out who this is going to be in the end. <laughs> they, this is what they were talking about taking over Darkhawk. There are some elements that are similar aesthetically, at least. A staple of the tokatsu, uh, tok- tokusatsu genre is the transforming hero archetype. Super Sentai, Kamen Rider, Ultraman, and Darkhawk with its body swap, etc., etc., etc. Okay, so I'm going to list off another thing he says here about his the work he's been doing. The last six years, from the Power Rangers to the Winter Soldier to Ultraman and now Radiant Black. Yes. Kyle Higgins. Oh, fuck yeah. As soon as he started talking about like, Toku, it was like, okay, it, I mean, like only one name is popping up and it can't be anybody else. Yeah. Holy shit. Yes. <laughs> and Pepe, it, it, he did the design, but Juan and Ramirez is going to be doing the artist, but he's great too. Yeah. So I'm really excited about this. Oh, I'm so excited for this book now. Hell yeah. 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 That's really cool. So, um, 
Next up, real quick, I just want to throw this out there. Um, I, I mean, you guys know I'm a big Trekkie. Uh, Star Trek has announced the Mirror War, which is going to be a really cool crossover event um, featuring basically from the Mirror Universe. It's going to take place across comics, and it's going to be a year long. It's going to be great. So if you're into the Star Star Trek comics, you're going to love it. So That's cool. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is something huge that we're not going to talk about very much because we don't really have too much insight on it, but we have to talk about how AT&T... Warner Media merged with Discovery. Discovery you heard Channel? about this. Discovery, uh, they own the Discovery Channel. Oh no shit! Yeah, no. I, again, they own Food Network. They own basically if it's a, if it's a cable uh, show or a cable channel that's focused on reality shows, mm-hmm. Discovery owns them. Yeah. Okay. They just merged with AT and T Warner Media, which means Warner Brothers, which means DC Comics. Ooh, so DC has its fifth owner in like ten years. There is some. There's a lot of speculation online about what this means. Mm-hmm. Um, we obviously can't know until we get there, but it could change up how DC is handled as a company. Oh shit! It could handle how HBO Max is handled. Uh huh. It could change a lot of stuff. So. That's on my radar. I'm, I'm keeping an eye on it. Nice. Um, and I cheekily tweeted, uh, someone should warn Discovery about the Snyder Cut people. That might be a deal breaker if they don't oh, know. Yeah, I did see that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, wait, we have to deal with those guys? No, fuck that. We don't want it. <laughs> so, um, so that's interesting. We'll see where that goes, though. Uh, the next thing is, we're going to have a crossover in Marvel Comics called The Last Annihilation. Have you heard anything about this yet? I've, I've just started hearing about this. It's going to be a crossover between Guardians of the Galaxy and Sword. Mm-hmm. Which is cool as hell already. And um, we're also getting a new one-shot from Marvel Comics, written by Al Ewing, drawn by Bob Quinn, who does Way of X. And it's going to be called Cable Reloaded Number 1. That's what it was. And it's Old Man Cable. Yeah, but with the Sword of Galador. Yes, which is tying into the current run of Abel, Gabe Cable. Yes. So. so, is this a story of Kid Cable, Old Man Cable? Not necessarily our Old Man Cable? I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I'm pretty excited. So. Yeah, I'm excited about this too. And then, and they started, and then the last thing it was, yeah, and it's for Last Annihilation. It's like, wait, I'm sorry, what? Fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? A um, little bit of in, including sword and it's even cooler, you know. Yeah, and including actually a part of the means and, and sword. Um, I want to include this bit of a comic news that's been going on like all week. Another thing about Matthew Walsh or Michael Walsh. I think it might be like a sequel or like another set of anthology. I series. saw that. Yeah, for images teasing for, for Silver Coin, <laughs> but he's teasing something that he teased very similarly to Silver Coin. Yeah, and he just has like the goat in the background, and it's just Michael Walsh, and then like some of the best writers. Yep. Joshua Williams, Williamson, Rom fucking V, Matthew Rosenberg, and then just today, Vita fucking Ayala doing horror. Yes, I'm all fucking excited for this shit. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. So, all right. Unfortunately, we have yeah. to end off the news with some with a pair of bad news. In fact, um, the first one is they're actually both unfortunately lost people important to the genres that we love. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is Jesse Ham, the comic book artist Jesse Ham. Um, he was, uh, he did, he did work for, around different areas. Um, he did work on Hawkeye. Um, he did the Batman 66 book. 
Ooh, one okay. of the, you know, it was a flashback. Um, he did flash Gordon. He did a lot of stuff. Uh, he was young and it's a real shame. He passed away. His wife let us know through Twitter. And there's a lot of people that have really been like sharing their thoughts with him about him and stuff. So, um, yeah. So just check on Twitter, look for the hashtag if you're interested to see what people are saying. But yeah, it's a shame. But then we got a one, two punch, unfortunately. Yeah. And this one, I'll talk about briefly, and then I'll kick it over to Josue. But we have lost Kentaro Miura, a uh, creator of Berserk. Um, Berserk is a, a manga that is not brought up mm-hmm. um, amongst the A tier, you know, manga, but I think probably deserves to be. Oh no, I, I feel like it is. Like, I feel like if you're heavily in the manga community, when we're yeah, just, when you and I just like basically just main over on Shonen because it's like the easiest app. But if you're just like a heavy head into manga, it's gonna be one of those that people have been following and like known and loved and has changed part of their life because it's just like it's a heavy fucking story mm-hmm. where it's just it's a simple fantasy tale uh, on face value. But holy shit, I, I only ever get to hear from my partner Sochi because she's the one that ha- has read the the volumes and harangues me week after week. It's like, when are you going to read it? When are you going to read it? And now I'm like kicking myself in the fucking head where I, sh- I should have been, I should have already been done with it. And just like, and it's, it's the next thing I'm fucking reading. And I like, thank God I have like the volume, the sets. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things I've just been seeing since fucking yesterday is just like, whenever a celebrity like passes away or, or, or it goes, everybody shows their thoughts. And it's usually, it's usually kind of simple things. Or if, if they're really important to the individual, they'll let them know. But this, this last whole day has just been like everybody who like I'll cl- I'll, cl- I'll hit up their their profile to see like oh who's this person, and it's just like an array of different people who I never thought would be like just brought together by something like Berserk because it's like over thirty years that it's just expanded and literally grown for people like just because of the characters growing in their own way, and it's just like fuck I've 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 been feeling the fucking hurt and I've again mm-hmm. I've only just seen the the, the anime um, and just read some pages just because like Sochi has been like you have to just check the shit out um but yeah it, it fucking sucks and it just like she's just been like in turmoil because like and now it's just like yeah it sucks that he left but then it comes back to like the art for like the second and it's just like we're not gonna get the fucking ending like this sucks like it's like and then where, where she knows where you get left where you get left off it's just like it's not fair type of thing and it's just like yeah. it sucks so like he's gonna be very very fucking missed but thank god that he was he was able to tell such a prolonged story as it was to be able to help out a lot of people like with this yeah. writing. I have a very complicated relationship with Berserk. And um, so, you know, I used to work in a store called Hastings. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know what a Hastings is, if you don't live in the like five states that used to have them. Um, it's like an FYE, but cooler. Yeah, it's like a big entertainment superstore. Uh, books, music, basically everything me and Josue like. <laughs> um, movies. Uh, and people can sell their stuff there. We sell it as used product. Well, um, someone sold back a huge stack of DVDs, and in the middle of it was Berserk. Well, if there's no barcode, we can't buy it back. Uh, this was an imported version. I don't know where from. If it's from Japan, I'm going to be really annoyed with myself. But basically, I'm like, sorry, we can't buy this. There's no barcode. And um, I actually called my girlfriend and I was like, hey, this guy wants to sell this. This looks pretty cool. What do you think? So, yeah. So so I called my girlfriend. Oh, no. uh, I told her, like, hey, you know, this guy wants to sell this. He doesn't want it. It looks cool. I have no idea what this is. Uh, 
and whenever we'd come up with something really cool, like I got like all the seasons of Star Trek Voyager for like 20 bucks oh, because shit. of this, my girlfriend would come over because we lived like three blocks away from Hastings. Oh, nice. And she'd walk in and just hand up money and we'll take it. <laughs> well, she did that. We got it for like five bucks. He's like, I don't really care. And it turned out to be yeah, like an imported version of the first volume of Berserk on, on, on uh, DVD. Yeah. And it was yeah. really cool looking and stuff. And we watched a bit of it, but we were kind of like... And eh, it wasn't really for me, and I think it was because I, I had a bad impression of Berserk at first. Okay, I thought it was going to be hyper violent. It was giving me like the mm-hmm. '90s vibes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it gave me the '90s vibes of like Initial D or not Initial D. I mean Vampire Hunter D. There we go. <laughs> like, <laughs> which I loved, but you know, just kind of like I don't, I don't really think I'm ready for something like this. I don't think I really want to watch this. And then it's funny because the actual manga has turned me around. Like looking at the manga, and I'm like, oh, "Wow, this art's gorgeous, and this yeah. looks really interesting." And and yeah, the anime is, is actually really fun because yeah, it is like again, you see that face value. It's like you're you're in nights. Yeah, you know, it's nights time like during the nights and like a bunch of armor and, and swords clashing and shit. But it's a slow burn into the delving into the fantasy, and then and then the end of the anime becomes like this giant actual ultra violent. What the fuck is um. And then it gets left off there. Honestly, and I, I love that I was always on, I think, on purpose to be like, yeah, you think this is fucked up? Go pick up the pages and see where it goes from here. Um, but anyway, it wasn't this box set, right? No, it was okay. it was a thin one. It, oh, okay. it was, no, it, it was, I, I want to say if it was like a, if it was like a television show, it would have been like the first season. Oh, okay. But no, it was, it was thicker than like a normal DVD. Like not, it's thicker than that. Okay. But and it was this, weird. It was very strange. It was, like I said, I think it was imported from somewhere. Nice. And this one, I, I did find the barcode, so I couldn't have been this one just in the end. So. Yeah. But yeah this no, is like, it, 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 it had a, a slip cover over it. It was some kind of collector's edition thing. That's really cool. But, and yeah, no barcode. And I'm pretty sure it was imported. I just don't know from where, but it was in English. There were obviously other language options, but. It wasn't like it came default like to Spanish because we're close to Mexico. That happens sometimes. So if you ever do come, want to come back to the anime for it, watch the originals, the OVAs, like the 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 new redone movies. Really don't do them justice, just because they yeah. look prettier three D video game version. If I jump into it, I'm gonna jump into the manga. To be honest with you. Okay, cool. So yeah, but yeah, okay. So unfortunately, we have those losses, but we do have some comic books to talk about t- this yes. week, and I'm really excited to get into them. So we are going to jump straight in and everybody all the fans of the show know we don't start with a bang but a boom boom studios we have a handful of books from boom this week and we are going to start off with a host sway solo special yes tell me about storyteller tricksters number three yes and this one is finally about one of my favorite types of tricksters foxes yes (laughs) and this one is called a tale of two markets. It kind of does a play on it. Um, in this case, uh, we start a story. Not like finally, we're away from the house. Like we're not telling a story next to the chimney, next like with like like in the house setting. We're at the market, and it's really really fun. It's really really cute. And the whole time, the dog's like looking everywhere. He's like, "Oh shit, there's so many smells. Like let's go eat." And uh, and everybody's like really hyping up their own shit. And it's like these dog treats will give your dog like dragon teeth. Like that's how sharp they'll be. And then. But the dog is like, or the storyteller is like, now nah, we should just go. It's fine. And to the dog is like, but they're just treats. Why can't I just have some? And to the storyteller is like, I know, I know a tall tale when I see when I hear one. And it's like because he's a storyteller, and thus sparks a story that he needs to tell. <laughs> um, and it's a really cute story between like this fox that is just like really just like not like just lives out on the road. Like he just like goes from town to town, just doing whatever. And then al- along his way, a stork passes by him and be like, hey, what are you doing? Um, and the story says like, well, I'm about to go to the market to sell all my books. And that's what almost like 
it sparked something in the fox where it's like fine fuck it you know what i'll go to the market to see what i can win again it's not really what the market's for and the only thing that this fox right. is really known for is that he he was once able to turn these stones into soup and at the very least he can start he can start there um when he makes it when he makes it to the market he does bring like a bag of stones only he doesn't sell those for a soup because he's not he's not one to repeat his own stories um he he starts fabricating lies like oh i stole these stones from from uh giants or it turns out they're actual they're cult seeds and you have to wait until like the solstice or whatever the fuck like just down the line like, a few weeks if you don't open them cults just spring out and so cool and he, and he literally starts bartering his way through like better stuff along the market um <laughs> <laughs> and it's just really funny because like the stork is not really having that much um he's not really having that much luck on his sales let's just say that because he, he's only selling books like non-fiction books like informational books that should probably help out everybody in this market uh but he's not having so much luck the only thing that he keeps he keeps hearing about is that somebody's selling a bunch of cool shit and he goes investigates it and he sees like oh it's the it's a bullshit fox from the road. <laughs> and he he's literally start, starts like convincing everybody. He's like, yo, this fox is full of shit. Like he literally just like dumped you guys, like swindled you guys for, for everything you guys are worth. Like check this out. He grows over to like the one merchant that bought the cult seeds, opens it. And then they're just rocks. So the person gets like, man, is like, yo, you fucked up my spell. Like now obviously I'm not going to be horse. And it's like, what are you guys not getting? Like he's lying to you guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it pretty much like by the end of it, the the fox gets like super fucking bougied out and like just says <laughs> deuces to the town and the whole town turn on the stork. End of story. So we come back to the present and then the dog's like, wait, what the fuck? That's not fair. Like, why does the fox get to win? I was like, oh yeah, no. Basically, karma, like the storyteller says, I'm like, karma tends to come back around. Everything's like, it's fine. Like the stork, yeah, sure. He'll end up living his life fine knowing he, he knows the truth. Butterworth the fox and it does like a little flashback and he's like with this super cool hand like super dope like robe and like jacket when stomp Raynard heard you've been robbing from from giants and so all the tall tales actually caught up with him and like giants started hearing that somebody's been stealing from them <laughs> so and so it comes back to like the market right and uh uh there's a smell a, a new smell and the dog's like right, yeah sure whatever about your story let me go check this out and the storyteller follows him and these merchants be like, oh, these, uh, these, these pies, uh, and then they start like they start telling their tall tales to sell their pies, and the storyteller says yes, because mm-hmm. again, he can tell he can tell a, a real story from a fake one, and then they have like this really cool moment as they're eating, like they actually like envision what they promised. It's just <laughs> really cute. I fucking love this series so much. It's a great anthology series. Yeah, it, yeah. this one, the tricksters one, is definitely interested to me. Yeah, and especially with all the spiders, like always think you're spiders at night, which is like a really yeah. cool twisted thing to say or believe in. Yeah, the trick yeah. is fun. Nice. Yeah, and, and Reynard the Fox is like a classic character we know from yeah. a lot of stories, but obviously on this show, a lot of people will know him from fables. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, let's move on to the next. Oh, you, uh, do the creative team, by the way. Oh, yes. Thank you. Because like, so this one always varies. Uh, between yeah, exactly. The uh, this one, this story is done by Amal El Matarm, and art is by Isa Hassan, and letters by Jim Campbell. Nice. That takes us to. I, I think I, I, this is the first of the the theme we were talking about. Ooh. Things that turned around Luna number four. Okay. 
by Maria Lovett. Now, it's gorgeous. It's always been gorgeous. But it's been really oblique and hard to kind of really figure out what's happening. Yes. And I think this issue does an excellent job of clarifying. and But without losing the mystique of the story. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, so, obviously, everything done by Maria Lovett in this case. And um, when we last left off... Um, Basically, we find out more about the um, about what's going on with this cult, mm-hmm. and uh, Teresa had the vision while she was having sex, and she realizes that there's something beyond this and buried underneath. And what we find out is there's a man in the cave, and he's being captured there, and the leader of the cult is drinking his blood. So everybody is second-handedly drinking this other man's blood, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and it's all coming down to it, and Teresa is not sympathetic to the leader of the cult in this case. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but, but he's stupid, so he thinks she is. <laughs> um, and yeah, basically it all comes down to, like, she says, or he's like, I'm going to defeat him, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take over all this stuff. And He's like, you know, I need you. He's all attached to her. With you, with you by my side, we can do this. And she's with the full moon and everything. And she says, um, if, if it is the only, my, the only option, it is my love. But first, you must drink my blood. And then so she, she's like one moment. She wanders off. She gathers some berries. Eats them all. He drinks the blood. And you can rub them on our lips just to be sure. Yeah. And then they're both like dying. And he's like, what is this? She goes, this is your death through mine for love. And he goes, my Teresa goes, she says, I am not your anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the bond you think we shared is the echo of something so deep and pure. You can never understand. And she falls over dead. So great wrap up of the story, right? However. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we do see the man who was who was chained up, carrying her, and it says, "Is this death?" And it says, "To be continued." Yeah. So I really liked this. This 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 added a fun twist to it. I was worried we'd stick with the culty stuff like for too a little long. bit longer. Yeah, it was just getting yeah. a little more like on the abusive end on like this fucked up cult, and it wasn't really yeah. kind of going anywhere after that. So kind of like this one really kind of like made it a lot better, especially when the when the one chick is like really pissed off and like does a whole like call, calling his shit out like you think you see these people and you're like oh they seem very holier than that like they're almost like so really special but then yeah. like coming out fucking richard and she was like that the, the little wake-up call for him was like a good one yeah just like yeah. to kind of like break the spell really yeah it was cool i really enjoyed it so yeah no, me too um uh, what do you think one more issue i i mean i i thought it was like kind of up to five but shit, two more i'll take yeah yeah if we wanted to be a trade five or six works so Mm -hmm. yeah i really enjoyed it really again the art is the highlight it always is with maria lovett so yeah it's like it's not just like panels like she always like i love that she adds like the the flowers around the panels just like the psychedelic part of it all yeah now for the second example of a book that i i was like oh that's pretty good and then this issue blow me away i got the shiny cover oh i got them both <laughs> of, i got too many uh, variants and i realized like oh shit it's cutting into like the ones i should have been reading <laughs> yeah the mini deaths of layla star number two yes uh written by ramvi illustrated by felipe andre colored by nessa Morrow, and letter by ann world um so we're introduced to a crow 
which immediately improved this this uh, book having a like I, I hate to say animal sidekick, but that's basically <laughs> what it is. Um, and it's a funeral crow, and it you know takes the souls and everything to basically does what what Layla Star does. Um, you know, she was death, and um, so many years had passed, and young Darius, uh, basically is a young child now, and should be eight. Eight, yeah, and so we get a story of the gardener that helped his family uh, maintain their grounds, and what's so striking is this shit right here. Yeah, I'm the right way there. they draw the gardener is so like monstrous. Yeah, even though he's just supposed to be a darker skinned man from the south of India, basically. The cool even, thing is even the way can... he's drawn. Mm-hmm. Gets more realistic as the story goes on. Yeah, I was yeah. Say, like, the next page was like this one with the with the giant arms holding him. It's almost like the way he envisioned him because he was just, like such a big man. For exactly. Him. Yeah. Yeah. But as you see him later on in the story, uh, he looks more and more realistic. Yeah. And I think that's kind of cool. And like that's you know that yeah. So basically, young Darius like takes a liking to the man, but Darius's family is like, no, they're poor. And they're like basically, it's it's. It's a racial divide, I believe, or not racial, but like a societal divide in India where they're just, you know, they're not like us, you know, we, we shouldn't encourage them to think they're equal to us and things like that. Yeah. And so then they move away and they don't, they don't have to maintain the land anymore. So he doesn't see the, see uh, his name is Barden, by the way. And then, uh, he gets word that Barden had passed away and now he basically runs away from home because his family is just basically completely dismissive of it and stuff. And who does he run into? But Layla Starr. Yeah. And they actually have a really sweet heart-to-heart. And she basically has to explain death to him, which is interesting. And, you know, she she's talking about, you know, like, if, if life's an exercise in making memories, no one really goes away as long as they're remembered and things like that. And it's really sweet. I'm really enjoying this so much. Yeah. And then her his parents find him and say, oh, thank God I found you, Darius. And she realizes who it is. Mm-hmm. She's standing in the water. She gets pulled underwater and drowns. And then the crow, the crow pulls her out of the water. And she's like, thank you for saving me. He's like, saving you? I'm a funeral crow, my dear. I only care of the souls of the dead. She's like, oh. And then she wakes up. Crap. And it's like, you know, how long was I out this time? 12 years from the day Layla Star drowned. Yeah. <laughs> No, I fucking love this book. It's like it is very touching. It's like it, I mean, this one wasn't as heavy as like the first one with like the original Layla Star, like taking yeah. her own life, and then death comes in for to, for the body swap. Um, but this one was just like more wholesome, very touching, heartwarming, explaining what the transition between death, life, back mm-hmm. to death. Uh, so much so that you're just like left in this awe. And again, once again, I'm just like I'm caught laughing at the end, where it's just like. Cause it is like, it's like death just can't get life right. And based on her own obsession or vendetta, her own, her own mission, but it's just like, she just can't grasp quite grasp life. Right. And it's just, it's so fucking funny at the end every time. But meanwhile, it's just like such a heavy book and it's such a real story. Yeah. And they're portraying the kid out to be like such a real person. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really enjoying that. And I think it's going to, think it's going to have a really good ending. I'm already anticipating things about the ending. Like, I, I'm a futurist. I look forward like that. And <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of see things. 
And I think I have a pretty good idea of how this is going to end up a couple different ways, obviously, but I think it's going to be a really, really good ending. I have a very good feeling about it. By, by the next one, he for the next issue, he should be 20 or so. 20, I'm yeah. wondering if he'll be more of like, if he'll still be like his like holy saint self or actually he'll kind of dip into like a cynical side of life and then have death almost like turn him around. Yeah, exactly. Like he's going to go through some ups and downs and 20 is a rough, rough age. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah I love this book. Yeah, it's great. I absolutely love it. This this is the issue that sold me on it. So nice. All right, and our last boom book um, is the return of something that's been gone for a while. I'm very excited about this, yes. and that is we only find them when they're dead. Number six, written by Al Ewing, illustrated by Simone DeMeo, colored by Maria Sar- Sarah Miota, and lettered by Antworld Design. Um, I think this is what we. I, I've used this before for other books. But I think this is where we stop telling a story of some people and start telling a story of a world. Yeah, I'm gonna start looking at this in the same through the same lens as well. And even then, I was reading this, and it's like we're back to almost like trade waiting for this. I'm still gonna buy every issue, but we're not gonna get the full answers or full explanation until maybe four issues from now, three, four issues from now. <laughs> yeah, just like the first one. So obviously, this book, if you've been following with us. Uh, we have these floating dead space gods and people carve them up for things uh, to take meat or valuables or whatever. Uh, well, in the last volume, uh, one crew decided to go where the where the gods come from. And they managed to go and they're gone. And that's where we were left off. And then 10 years after that. <laughs> and 10 years after that, no new gods had shown up basically since. And then one shows up and is alive briefly before dying. Screams, it's they say. Yeah. And it looks just like the captain of the ship that left. Yes. So we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what the actual fuck, Al Ewing? <laughs> and even then, like, so that happens. That was our epilogue. And then we start back there here. But it's not really necessary where we're going to, like, end up, like, taking off from. It literally does another time skip. I think it was, like, I think I counted it was like 28 or 38 years later from that incident. Like the year is now 2414. Yeah. And basically the way they interact with the gods is different. Now they don't just tear them apart for parts. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead, a cult develops around this one and they start worshiping it and don't think you should tear it apart like you're going to, but there are still people with different, different uh, points of view and different. um, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, Oh my gosh, never mind. It's going to bother me. I can't think of that word. But anyways, um so we get introduced to some new characters and I really like them. Um like and I think this is I I think I already clicked with these characters harder than I clicked with any of the others in the original series. Mm-hmm. Uh I really really enjoy these characters. And it's becoming kind of a political drama. Yes. A little bit with a little bit of subterfuge maybe. Uh so yeah, it's really interesting. We also find out about the the god meat that was being taken. Yes, we were wondering, do they eat it? <laughs> like, we're, like, yeah, they do. And then apparently, it's like a like a delicacy and mm-hmm. tasted nutty and buttery. Which I'm not gonna lie, I was like, mm, that sounds good. Actually, yeah, and I was like, I no, need, no, I need some gods. <laughs> uh, so the new lead of the series looks to be Ambassador Marlin Chin. Um, who is the one who is basically investigating this. She's kind of posing to be a, um, a, a, 
a believer to get the right people on her side and stuff. But in the end, we find out this is all, everything is a trick. She's here to steal the God. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's pretty cool. No, it's definitely cool. Cause like the, the whole first volume was just like, yeah, the setup of the story and I would just to just be truly wowed at the end with how everything really connected. Cause it just did bounce around a lot. Um, but now, now that we know a little bit more or the little bit that we do know, it's just the two questions. It's just like, why do gods want to come from wherever they are to over here? And what is that that gets, what's the toll for them to just get here and to just die? Yeah. Uh, that's really what I want to know. And yeah, we're not going to know, but this, these two answers. So like way, way down the line but right now. Yeah. No, I, I do like, I do like her, like this, this, this new crew. I like the way we get to see some old faces um, that from the ones that stay behind, but uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad this book is back. Yeah, definitely. It's really, really good. I'm enjoying it a lot. So, uh, all right, we're going to move on. Switch publishers. We have a book. Josue has it uh, from someone we really, really enjoy. And we've interviewed a really great guy. We're going to IDW Publishing. And we are going to talk about the series finale of Sea of Sorrows, number five. Sea of Sorrows, <laughs> number five. Oh, God. Uh, written by Rich Duick, artist and colors by Alex Cormack, and letters by Justin Birch. Man, it's the cover, right? That was a siren that we knew. And last yep. time I showed you, that's actually her inner side. Her chest uh, literally just opens up into a maw. And, like her arms are down here. It's literally just like her torso just opens into a maw. Oh, it's, that's crazy. Oh, it's fucking incredible. And so, oh, fuck, how do I don't even say this? There's like almost like two two plots happening at the same time from where we left off. There's like a mutiny happening upstairs because like the one crazy guy that almost like got both crews together. It's finally happening where like he can just like create the chaos for said siren. And meanwhile, like the the diver dude, like the the veteran that the that they that they got to come on over, who's yeah, his all silver was to, to dive down there for the 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 Nazi gold that they found, right? Um, and this whole time, because of the siren spell, he just having this flashback on this one, just being damn, just, they're looking for like Nazi gold, but they're like they're fla- flashbacks towards uh, the trenches. So I don't want to say it's World War One either, um, but I think the dates are right towards more towards World War One. But they, regardless. They want blocks of gold with the fucking iron cross on it, right? So that, that's that's the goal for this mission. Is like they found a uh, submarine down there. Anyway, now that shit is the fan, and then during the mutiny, two people who are at odds with each other realize that the crazy dude was the one creating all this chaos, and they're like, you know what? Let's put a pause to our shit and let's go kill that guy. And like, all right, bet. <laughs> tune in, literally tune in. The fucking siren comes back. Ugh. it's just it's so cool dude it's so terrifying oh, it is so terrifying and the siren literally just starts wiping everybody away turn like throwing people overboard eating some along the way as she's diving back down and coming back up meanwhile back down back down with the diver he's not diving he's just he's hallucinating back at the trenches and while he's in a scuba suit uh inside the boat trying to find something and it turns out he's trying to find a bayonet <laughs> um and then He's still getting flashback of like the times he was because he got hurt back then, like from the flashback he was thinking of, um, only to be discharged back into like the front lines, um, and at, and so the last two people to really be part of the ship, like it's the crazy dude, literally like posing himself in front of the siren, like I did it, I did what you asked me to do, and it's almost like it's like oh this, this dude's gonna fucking die, she's just gonna she doesn't care, she's gonna eat him, 
And for a second, it's almost like they were like partnering up for something. I don't know. I don't know what she was going to do to him or for him when our divers actually comes back up and just bayonets him through the chest. And obviously she doesn't want him anymore. And <laughs> he most more than anything, it's like more than anything. It's like, he wants to die. Cause he just wants the song out of his head. Like he doesn't want anything. I was like, sure. Like he's cursed by wanting the gold now, just because he laid eyes on it. Mm-hmm. But now it's more than that. Now it's just like getting this song out of his head because it's just triggering all this P- PTSD. And all he wants is silence. And at this point, that's when she reaches over. And instead of just like sucking him down, the whole ship gets sucked down. You see all these other tentacles. Mm-hmm. And then this is where I do the, the, this is where I do the turn page. And my heart literally sinks into the depths. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you don't get to see more of this. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, not, I don't want to show you. It's just like, this is it. Uh, this, we just see yeah. this. Fucking hell. And literally my heart just sinks to the depths of the fucking horror. Tell and, tell, tell the listeners because they can't see the camera. Get, like you don't have to explain it entirely, but give them an idea of what you're it shows about. it shows the process of like him going into the water from like being thrown overboard, splashing and sinking. And all you see is just this eye. You just see this one eye to what would be, could be a Cthulhu-esque deity. <laughs> <laughs> Back down at the depths, he has this like almost like he's not really interacting like he's drowning. It's almost like he's in like in this weird subspace in front of her. Mm. And yeah, he has and he looks down and he ha- and he's clutching that piece of gold, that, that gold bar still. And what he does is like it's like he offers it. He offers it to her and he just like and this is like the last panel. He just gets left there almost like floating in this abyss. Uh-huh. next thing you know you turn you turn the page and he's back up on the fucking like just like not on the shore but he's still up on top now in the waters like floating on a, on something and a boat finds him and he's like oh shit like we fucking found a person like get him out of there maybe he's maybe still alive and then so they put him down and it's like oh shit, wait what the fuck is this what do you make of this cap is it it looks real the fucking nazi piece of gold they start asking mm-hmm. him where'd you get the sailor where'd you get this come on speak up and he's just like days the whole time just coming back and you get the last page as he's just clutching his bayonet. And it's like, it's, it's literally like the Road of Bones like finale where you're just like, oh no, what the fuck? So I was like, yes, Rick, you're just doing it, you <laughs> son of a bitch. You did it again. That's great, dude. <laughs> loved it, dude. Absolutely loved it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, Rich, Rich knows how to deliver with that uh, dread. Yes. Like, dread was the word I used continuously when we talked about Rotobo. <laughs> and then, like, so like the Sea dread. of Sorrows, like that Siberian whiteout Sea of Sorrows, like this black abyss, like two very different settings, but damn it, does it just deliver? <laughs> Definitely. All right. Next, we're moving on. I have a quick book for Oni Press. Oh, nice. Uh, which is Jana and the Unpossible Monsters number three. Oh, yeah. This, uh, it well, first of all, creative team. Uh, written and drawn by Chris Samney, co-written with Laura Samney, colored by Matt Wilson, lettered by Crank. Um, so the story so far, a uh, little girl gets lost out in the wilderness, kind of raised by monsters. Her older sister goes to find her, finds her, and then basically they are uh, traveling together now. And this actually, this is, a, is probably another good example of a book that really met its potential this week for me. Because oh, nice. I loved it. It was really enjoyable. It was really about the art and like her being kind of goofy. It came off very comic strippy. Like mm-hmm. almost, I, I, the one comparison I had was Hanna-Barbera. 
felt like a Hanna Barbera cartoon. Okay. Uh, probably just because of how she's designed, you could see that's very Flintstonesy. Oh you know? yeah, totally. Yeah. So, but um, basically, they find a group of survivors and they meet up with these survivors and they're all telling their stories about how the monsters destroyed their town and killed everybody and how they, there's like a cast now, which is kind of cool. And then uh, just like you get to know the characters and everything. And then there's a big crash as a monster basically crashes through the ceiling and they're about to fight it. And so they le- it leaves off there. Um, this book is kind of a slow play. Mm-hmm. It always has been. So yeah, but it's really cool. And then I love some of the just design. It reminds me of so many books. Like, like here, here's a treehouse they found. Uh, yeah. And you can kind of see how like everything is like designed. Right. It's really cartoony. Like, yeah, I really, really dig it though. And um, yeah, it's Oni. Um, there, And they have rules now for attacking the monsters. Don't attack from underneath. <laughs> Stay out of their line of sight. Don't get squished. <laughs> Never go one on one, and then they, they didn't finish the rules. That's when they got attacked. So okay, yeah, but it's pretty fun. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, once again, great all ages story. So kicking over to Mad Cave Studios, and Josue has Nottingham three. Nottingham three. This one is written by David Hazan. Artist is Shane Connery Volk. Colors is Luca Romano. Lettering by Joe McGee. Man, okay. Only two things really kind of popped out in this book for me, and oh, they're just like really cool. Besides, like really kind of diving into this book because of like rooting for Sheriff Nottingham on that on that twisted tale, <laughs> uh, you get kind of his backstory for, for for this book. And in this case, he wasn't always like so high up and high mighty. He actually, it was only because he came back as a one of the few that came back almost as a veteran, if you will. His whole backstory was like like you've seen him. He's supposed to be like a big burly monstrous guy. That's his backstory self. Just this little kind of man. <laughs> Snape. And, and his backstory <laughs> basically starts at a bar. And basically he starts just poking at people who are upper class than him. And they're not kind of have they're not having kind words with, uh, with each other. So a bar fight ensues. And because Nottingham is still kind of a kind of a brute, he punches this guy into uh into unconscious and he's kind of fading. And so he fucking makes a break for it. And he makes it to a church, and that's and uh, that's when the priest was like, "Yeah, like as, as soon as they start, because he got word from what's what happened to that guy, and it's like, yeah, he's gonna die. And once they car- once they come looking, there's only so much I can do for you. I can't really fully protect him. He's like, wait, I, you mean this is a sanctuary? It's like, yeah, not really like that, unless you want to make a hero of yourself and go join King Richard in the Crusades. Wink, wink." And that's how he kind of goes off, <laughs> <laughs> and that's how he he, he finds a boat to uh, to enlist himself and goes off because even like it's like the, it was such an enlisting moment. And it's like who knows maybe you can fight side by side with King Richard over there. And it's like oh god. So anyway, <laughs> uh, we get that backstory. That, that's kind of why he, when he came back and he came back a different person, much more of a monster, um, and he was able to able to hold that position. So we get that cool part. Now back to at the present to where we are. The story is uh, Nottingham is. Is that this front, uh, not the front lines, but is that this like border line of this other troop who may or may not be supporting the Merry Men? And all Nottingham wants is like, yo, we know you have Alan Dale on your side who was like an under, like someone who worked for Nottingham and he figured out he was a spy for for Robin Hood. And the whole time Nottingham was like, you really want to fucking cover for this fucking douchebag and for the rest of the Merry Men? 
and he brings up a good point, or at least like for this story, it's like, yeah, Robin Hood steals from the rich and gives to the poor, but he brings up this, the, this exact point where it's like, sure, but every all the accounts that have been like stolen from, all like everything, like all the budgets and numbers, once you get down to it, so far, this poor that Robin Hood is, is giving back out to wouldn't necessarily be poor based on these fucking numbers that we've had. So technically, Robin Hood has been like, keeping more to himself than really keeping to his word. And, and I'm thinking it's like, holy shit, I wonder if Robin Hood was kind of a scumbag that way. And he just, he didn't give back all that much either. Um, and then there's a, and then for the ending, it's like the setup of uh, of the tournament. I think like the archery tournament where Marion comes in, warns Robin Hood. And we get a little bit of an insight on like, maybe Robin Hood isn't also, because uh, I was just like speculating at the time, but then the last pages, like he just has like that sinister grin. Like he was also, the information that Marion gave him, was for his benefit, but then um, Little John was there, and they they start conversing. It's like, he, and Robin Hood's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like, we'll just use her information, but we'll we'll still do our thing anyway. And it's like, oh shit! Like this book is just getting a little deeper and a little darker. <laughs> <laughs> I but I did like those two those, those two parts, like uh, Nottingham's backstory on how he wasn't a complete monster from the beginning, and then Robin Hood's being like, maybe he is holding out on these people, and that really sucks. Nice. Yeah, I need to catch up on this series. It's just really hard to find the back issues, to be frank. Okay. Like, yeah, um, it sells out every week, too, at my at my stores, all of my stores. So, Ooh. yep. So, all right, we're going to flip over to Aftershock Comics. We have two books. I have The Bequest. Oh, yeah. Oh, please tell me about this. I really want Number it. Number three. <laughs> like, I'm not giving Wait. up on it. I, I still, I'm still going to get it. Yeah, I just held up the wrong book. Request <laughs> number three. There we go. <laughs> All right. So, written by Tim Seeley, drawn by Freddie E. Williams II, colored by Jeremy Colwell, and lettered by Marshall Dillon. Uh, so, basically, this is the one with the fantasy group, uh, fantasy adventuring group that is over in our world. Mm-hmm. And um, they kind of go on the road here. Uh, they don't just stay in Chicago. And... Uh, it's the typical stuff we've been dealing with in these books that is just great. Yeah. Like, you know, people from a fancy world adjusting to this very Tim Seeley stuff. Very funny. Cool. Um, there's a joke about, uh, I'm pretty sure it's about the, my pillow guy, um, <laughs> because they have like a version of Fox news and there's a guy hugging a pillow. It's like, do you wake up groggy, angry and feeling like your head is stuffed with dead animals? You need a new quilt blanket. Like, <laughs> like so yeah. And it would be just Tim Seeley to do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um but basically like they're they're told, "Hey, the bad guy's leaving. Uh he's going somewhere where he can't like attack the fantasy world." So the people in the fantasy world who are given the orders are like, "No, oh, you can ignore him then. We don't need to worry about that." And they're like, uh no we're gonna do it so basically warlock who is the warrior by the way which is confusing i love it yes he gives this great speech about how like you know when i first arrived here i disappeared into his worldly comforts readily available alcoholic swill delicacies like cheetos and (laughs) copious amounts of films rated number 10 But then I got a sword in my hand, hunted a beast, and slayed in the manner in which I'm accustomed, but not to take a sword to save people. And I liked it. <laughs> so basically, he's like, we're going to hunt them down. And then Relic, the dragon, is like, yeah, let's do it together. And they're all like, all right, <laughs> go do what you want. I don't care. <laughs> and um, basically, they, uh, they're they going on a road trip. And... Uh, 
it leads to some pretty fun shenanigans uh, where they have to fight some monsters and stuff, including a bird that farts fire as opposed to a dragon that breathes fire. And that comes into play. Uh, There's heavy emphasis on the, um, the rogue, the pixie rogue chick in this issue, actually. She's probably the most heavily featured character. So nice, but they find a couple different monsters. It's pretty cool. It's a lot of fun. Uh, You see, there's still tension between warlock and the dragon because a dragon killed this, you know, his leader in the first okay. issue. So, but they keep saying it's not the same dragon. He's like, I know, but, but then the best part starts. They end <laughs> up at a bar. Warlock's at a bar and he buys around. And then some guy's like, where are you from? The accent's kind of confusing. I want to say Russia. He's like, yes, Russia. <laughs> he's like, you want to be careful. We around that much cash. And he's like, why? He's like, the government's always watching, especially now they got eyes everywhere. And all the information goes back to the NSA building. He's like, and if they don't like what they see, for instance, a white guy with too much influence, <laughs> they'll say you're hacking our election and send one of their beasts. St. G tells us, St. G is from the, the Fox News thing. Okay. Um, they, they want to make sure no one can stand in their way when they start demanding human sacrifices for their blood cult. And the only thing holding, holding back the truth is those goddamn POC free people always <laughs> making about their goddamn skin color. Oh my God. <laughs> And then she, the pixie chick walks in, and she's black. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, so she walks in, and they're like, basically, like he says, um, the guy is quiet. Up, he goes, huh. and then Warlock goes, "Is there a problem, friend?" He goes, "Yeah, you come over from a place that's got those people under control, so you call one a friend. You're a traitor to your race. That you lost your goddamn mind." And then they have a barroom brawl. Warlock beats the shit out of them because um, they're together, right? And the and the warlock and the black chick are like together. I don't think like like okay. dedicated together. <laughs> okay, no, for sure not dedicated. <laughs> yeah, I mean that doesn't seem like that group. So they're they're running basically. Yeah, so basically it was a bunch of racists. And then warlock gives an amazing speech, and I'm gonna read it because I just fucking love when Tim Seeley <laughs> does this shit. It's so great. Um, the chick is like, I don't understand. They have everything. They've never been slaves because she was a slave. Mm-hmm. She says, they've never been slaves. They were born free, and yet they're so angry. And he says, wait, you're telling me you spent time with these people and you didn't see it? None of you saw it? It's in their fucking eyes, clear as day. These are people who've spent their whole lives being told that they were going to be something great. Rich, respected, powerful. But then then they weren't great. They just were. They've been <laughs> oh, lied to. Fuck. They never had a chance because the powerful were never going to share with them. Oh my god! So if the entire foundation of their lives could be or lives could be a lie, then anything could be a lie. Anything was a lie. So that's what they see everywhere they look. Lies. The only truth they know is the one that lets them live with themselves. Everyone else must be to blame for their ills. <laughs> I, I, need, I need this fucking issue tomorrow. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Like it's very serious. Don't get us wrong. Oh, here, no, guys. But, yeah, but holy but, shit, just say that shit too. Just with him calling it out like this, so good. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. And that's the thing. Like going into this book, and from, from the beginning, I thought Warlock would was gonna be like my least favorite character, or like yeah. right, here's here's the jokes. But it turns out he's just fucking a super massive black hole from from Money Shot, and he just wins yep. it every time. Yep. I mean, the dude just actually makes me crack up. And saying shit like that is awesome. Yep. He does add, and I see it in my eyes too. Like so, like so. Yeah. 
But yeah, amazing book. If you like fantasy with it, basically it's fantasy money shot with less sex. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> like, but I really, really enjoy it. So um, that's not an insult at all, by no. the way. <laughs> and then that brings us to our Aftershock movie we share. Phantom on the Scan, number two. Fuck yeah. Uh, written by Colin Ben, drawn by Mark Torres, lettered by Dave Sharp. Uh, Josue. Yes. This is really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is good shit. Um, so this is the one about the various people with powers, allegedly of the psychic variety. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them brings all of them together, and then one of them dies when something bursts out of his head. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, and we're finding out that this has this probably has to do with a comet that passed over the Earth. Yeah, uh, and because they could all distinctly remember it, and they all had near death quote experiences when it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, basically, someone's hunting them down and trying to stop them. So I really, really enjoy this, but I have a pretty good theory. I think I might know what's happening. Oh yeah. I think they all actually died. Oh, already? The night of the comet. I think they died. Oh, no shit. They all had near-death experiences, and I think they all have one of those in them, and that's what's been running their body since. Ooh. Holy shit. That's a pretty good one. And the dude that's hunting things is hunting the things inside them. Oh, fuck. Honestly, that's that's pretty cool. Fuck yeah, I actually dig that. Yeah. And that's why they have powers, because it's like it interacting with their bodies and stuff, so... Mm -hmm. Um, we do have a really cool, uh, we, we find out that not all the powers are going to be the same, which is cool. Yeah. One girl can basically hack anything. Uh, she basically talks to electronics, which I thought was really cool. So by the same time, that's why she lives off the grid. Cause basically technology is too loud, which is yeah. like, still pretty cool. <laughs> she doesn't even have a cell phone. She said, cause they're too loud, which is mm-hmm. cool. So yeah. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. And it leads to a really awesome moment where they meet up with a doctor who worked with the one that they, um, that he they all met with who was killed earlier in this issue and he's basically about to explain things to them when they get attacked by a dude i think his name was vic yeah victor Victor. and that's who i think is going to be the guy who's actually hunting down the monsters but that's just me that's theory it's all left up really ambiguous right now but uh, i'm really enjoying it it's really cool right or if it was based on experiments it's it's, it's probably the the guy that that at least remembers and it's like fuck everybody (laughs) yeah basically maybe he's one that had one Mm. But had it removed already or something, you know, That's like true. yeah. And yeah, I guess I hold this whole the whole symbiote give it back. This shot was fucking crazy. The the contorted body. Yes. The way it was just left and then just a grinning like that, which is like fuck. Like this is when like the eeriness and the creepiness really started to sink in, even though it was already there from like the monster with like the glass. Like the monster that popped out of the dude's head from the last issue. And this one, it's just like it's basically like the little xenomorph that pops up. It's like the chest burster, but with arms. <laughs> And he goes through a glass and he's like impaled with like face full of glass and he's literally just still headbutting a wall th- so he can get through and escape. And it's like, fuck, that would be a crazy scene to actually see. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm curious and to see how it ties into the comet. Like, are these aliens? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious. So great book though. Really enjoyed it. Next up, we're gonna kick it over to um Yeah, let's go to Dark Horse next. Okay. Uh, I have a single book for Dark Horse this week. And it's a new series called Rangers of the Divide. Nice. And from what I can tell, everything done for this book is Megan Huang. So uh, it's really cool. And I'm trying to think of what it even reminds me of that I can tell you about. Honestly, it gives me a webcomic feel. 
Um, nice. Just like the style of the art and the color and everything. I, I really like it. If this was an adaptation of a webcomic, if you told me that, I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> um, but basically, this is a world where it's kind of like a fantasy world. And there's a military order called the Rangers of the Divide. And they're, they're um, recruited as children. And basically, they act as peacekeepers and protectors and stuff. And it's just really, really cool. There's a whole group of recruits that have never even been on a mission. And everybody else at the base is gone. And then, like, basically... How do I put this? Okay. You you like Final Fantasy. This will be easy to do this. Yeah. Um, so, Zach and Cloud... And all the other soldier recruits are yeah. hanging out. There's no command. Sephiroth shows up and is like, we have a mission. And drags all these recruits off on a mission. And he's the legendary hero. You know what I mean? Like yeah. So, So yeah, basically their legendary hero shows up and he's like, we have a mission. And he tells them what the mission is. They're like, that's where everybody else went. And he's like, yeah, I know. So basically he's like, the only one left is the impression. Mm. And they call it an extinction level event. So it's going to be a big deal. Well, we get to know the characters and uh, they're, they're, they're heavily trained, but never with no practical experience. Okay. Um, They get attacked when, when the dude isn't present by a Wendigo. And basically one of the girls stands up to it. And by the way, this is the art. Like you can kind of see. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I really like it. Um, but she stands up to it and nearly dies, and the dude comes in and kills it. And basically, he's like, "They let you fight alone," and he basically tells them, "Hey, you have to fight as a group. Like this is a this monster is non consequential. This is nothing. You should be able to defeat this like easily, but as a group, you can't do it alone." Basically, they tell us to the legendary. Soldier? No, the legendary dude tells them that. Oh, okay, okay. He's like, "You need to work as a team because they basically abandoned her. They made her yeah. do it by herself." I gotcha. So the next day, he's like, "All right, well, if you want to come with me, here's a test." And he puts a lure down. He's like, "I'm learning another one to go here. Your your team can take care of it. Oh. If you pass, you can come with me." Oh, and shit. basically, they have to fight a Wendigo together. And they use teamwork and stuff. Um, for those out there who are fans of it, I, I get some Ruby vibes from this. Hmm. Um, so, which is really cool. But they end up fighting the Wendigo and the guy's like, all right, cool. And one of the things they talk about is how this guy's never lost anybody on a mission. Ooh. Like, never lost a single like person under his command. He's like, all right, we're going. And in his inner dialogue, he's like, I should feel guilty for asking this of them. These cadets are not ready. The possibility they'll die is almost certain. Fuck. He's like, this time is going to be different. I'll be more focused, more ruthless. I'll sacrifice what I must to get through it. However many lives it takes, I will not fail. Not again. Oh, shit. So we get this cool hook at the end. Yeah. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this. Um, there's a really great uh, thing with with her on the back of it where she talks about what she, you know, her inspirations. Mm-hmm. And it's stuff like Aragon, Dragon Rider. Uh, Spyro, uh, How to Train Your Dragon, stuff like that. Damn. So, yeah, so I really enjoyed this, and um, also the main, the legendary dude, he named his uh, dragon uh, after the world serpent from Norse Ooh. mythology. He, he spells it a little differently, I think. 
Yeah, Jormangander. Jormangander. There we go. It's a little bit different, but yeah. Really cool. Really enjoying it. I'm, I'm looking forward to picking it up. It's definitely something I recommend for Liz. So Nice. All right, switching over to... Let's do Vault next. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, we've got a lot of images this week, so we'll save that for last. Vault. And let's start with Engine Ward, number 10. Cool. We, I'm assuming we got the same cover. Yep. Since we're on the cover, this should actually should have been an Ares cover based on the issue. He's next. I know he's next, but it's like this this one should have been the Ares cover. We'll see. I think like, I th- focus, like whenever we get like the cover person, like it's kind of usually like the Zodiac that kind of like does something more in this issue. And this time we only got. I assume this is not Virgo, um, Libra. I assume this is Libra, um, and Libra is just there for one panel. Yeah, I think. Um, I think. I think he's going to have a big role next, and that's what I mean. Like they could have swapped him because Ares was actually no, no. I mean Ares. I think I think the next uh, issue is Ares's because he's captured right now. Well, I mean so. he, was, he was actually present in this one too, like just like mm. sh- popping up and showing up and shit. Um, so he could do more stuff then. But at the same time, it's like this is a very light Libra. Yeah. I mean, if it is Libra, I'm, I, I was looking at the list. Like I, I know that person. I know that person. I've seen those faces, but I just yeah. can't for this one. All right, written by George Mann, drawn by Joe Eisma, colored by Michael Garland, and letter by Hassan Atsamaniahru. Um, this is cool. Uh, our crew finally gets back to the city to try to stop the Zodiac. Meanwhile, the citizens of the city are actually already rebellion, rebelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took over a water pump and they all get water. Hooray! <laughs> and then, uh, like you said, Ares shows up. Um... And one sec here. Yeah, so they show up and they basically try to stop them. Um, and it, it seems to be going well. You know, it seems to be like they're about to stop the uh, the the citizens and you know squash the rebellion. If you if you know what I mean. Um, and then our heroes show back up and kind of flip everything upside down. Uh, stop them, you know, uh, able to squash the anti-rebellion with an anti-anti-rebellion, I guess is the way to put it. So, <laughs> um, and then they put Ares under, um, under capture. They also beat the shit out of Scorpio. <laughs> um, and it's really cool. And like they show up and, you know, it's the whole group, including Creek and everybody and the, um, the alien that they met that helped basically saved all their lives. And it's the only reason anybody's still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, they capture him and everything. Then the random citizens start harassing the alien dude. And she's like, are you fucking stupid? He saved us basically. And we see Scorpio go back. Uh, and basically from page to page, we see two things happening. We see the rebellion rallying with this awesome speech. Oh, dude, which was done so well, like, and and literally just like dropping all the truths, like that you've been like wondering. Like this is literally the part where it just get it all gets laid out. Yeah, exactly. But then back with the zodiac, we see the reveal of who is responsible for everything that's been happening, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, who was it that died? Was it Capricorn? Uh, cancer. Can- was it cancer? I thought it was he, another one. It was the water sign that they had that whole discussion. Because Cap- Capricorn is the one that died. Yeah, so I was going to say who died. Oh, it died. Oh, no, it was Capricorn. Sorry. I thought who okay, was yeah. I thought you said who was the guy in the, in the hot tub. Or in the, yeah. The yeah. So, in the end, we kind of see what what's going on there. Someone's making a power play. Mm-hmm. 
which we'll talk about more next issue, I'm sure. Um, and so, yeah, both sides have their own internal conflict a little bit, but um, we're going to be seen head to head. We have two issues left. I assume so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming each of them get their own cover. So, right. Yeah. Yes. I was going for too. Um, no, it was, it was actually really cool. I, I, again, like dropping the Joss, dropping the whole like truth bomb and it's like getting the history or at least like the truth of who the, the Zodiac are. I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Now it all makes fucking sense. And why, this whole hierarchy ended up establishing itself this way. And it's like, oh, it's so fucked up. Yeah. Really, really enjoying it. Yeah. Very excited to see the end. Yeah. So, definitely worth yeah. the journey for this one. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, next up, I walk with monsters. Number six, Oof. another se- vault series ends. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about it. Written by one of my heroes, Paul Cornell, <laughs> uh, drawn by Sally Cantorino color by Dear Kelly, Kelly and letter by Anworld. So our monster hunters want to take out this very last monster. They're being hunted by all kinds of security forces. They have helicopters, all this shit. And they're trying to find a way to get back to it. And basically, they use kind of a unique way of doing it. They use the guy's powers to sh- summon the shadow dog goes in and is kind of just like, oh, look, a stray dog, and it scratches him, which causes him to fully transform into a hideous fucking monster. Dude, yeah. It's just ooze and eyeballs, basically. <laughs> so, um, But we get our own monster on our side like we, like we always do, and they have this really cool fight that seems to end really quickly, where he's like, I know you wanted to kill him, but nope, bad guy reforms. He's made of ooze. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah. Um. And they're basically trying to figure out exactly how to stop him. And basically they come up with like a way of doing it without just murdering him. (laughs) Um, And the scratch basically in the end, the scratches makes you what you most need to be. And slowly the guy starts like, what do you mean? And then the monster transforms back into the man and then suddenly becomes a fat pink little baby. <laughs> and it's like, wow, deep inside, that's what he needed. And then my favorite part, she picks up a stick and she's about to beat the shit out of this baby. <laughs> <laughs> if she had done that, that would have been the coolest fucking thing. I would have been like, holy shit, balls of all comics. She just murdered her baby. <laughs> like, but she, obviously she stops because, say it with us, kids, she's not a monster. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, she's like, it won't make a difference. He's always in here, tapping her head. So basically, they drop him off at an adoption agency. Or, well, the social services. And then they are just, three weeks later, just kind of like dealing with what happened. And basically, they decide to be a real family. Yeah. And it ended. And it was... It's such a great story of damaged people people with significant damage in their lives yeah and being able to overcome it and by overcome it i don't mean get rid of it or erase it or ignore it even yeah but you learn how to live with it Mm -hmm. and you find other people whose damage you can live with as well you know like it's it was really a heartwarming story about finding finding family you know found family that's the whole cliche you know but that's really what it was in the end. They were doing this important work, but they were basically hunting monsters, and, and their whole relationship was around killing 
mm-hmm. and writing wrongs and shit. But in the end, they became close. And I mean, in the end, all they had was each other. And that was really sweet. And I really liked it. Yeah, no, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it too. Especially like just her resol- resol- re- uh, rationalization of um, it wouldn't make a difference. He's always in here tapping his head. But he's not in there, like in the baby, since he has another chance to do it all, another do over, you know, like maybe he won't be a piece of shit again. Um, but yeah, no, but in the end, like even like what what should have felt like a five page resolution, the fact that it was just like in two pages, like, yeah, no, like you you saw their journey, like you get why they're just cool just being their own family. And it's like, yeah, I really like that too. Yeah, definitely. That leads us to another Vault Nightfall book. <laughs> And Jesus Christ, okay. Written by Daniel Krauss, drawn by Chris Sheehan, colored by Jason Wordy, letter by Jim Campbell. It is the autumnal number seven. The penultimate issue. There's one issue left. Jesus, this book just gets better and better and better <laughs> every time I read it. Um, I mean, we talk about it every time, so I'll just knock it out again. I don't like horror. I really don't, but I fucking love this book. Yeah. It's done so well. And it's done in this really creepy way where, so the villagers are about, basically they sacrifice a child every year to become a child of the forest. They don't just like slit their throat. Mm -hmm. They wander into the forest and basically that's how the town makes their profit is the wood they sell. And with the child, the child can basically make things grow. Which kind of explains the when they had sex in the lawn thing. Oh yeah, yeah. So, uh, and in this year, uh, our hero's character daughter is chosen. Sybil. Yeah. Sybil. Yeah. And so Sybil, they're like, "No, it's fine. You can be one of us. We're the family you've always wanted." And slowly, everybody being like, "Yeah, you know, like." And Sybil comes out. She's got a little wood crown on. She's like, "Mama." And it's like, no, she has a new mother now, and and they're chanting it. Yeah, so and or, or everybody's been on it. Everybody even meeting has fucking been on it. Yeah, the only one that isn't was Carol, who died. Yeah, and basically, like, and they, yeah, and they they mention it as like, oh, you killed Carol, and they're like, yeah, it's been kind of a messy, you know, <laughs> messy one. But it's like, yeah, I would say so. Uh, so. So Kat is coming to grips with the fact that, you know, she's like, you know what? I, I Maybe it's better if she's gone. Maybe I'll have an easier life. And I'm like, I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those stories. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, shit. And then she sits there and uh, Sippo wanders into the woods. And Kat's just sitting there and she just remembers a conversation she has with her, had with her daughter about the dragon book. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, no, and she runs into the forest. She can't do it. And I, I like that she's like, how did they let those fuckers get me to do it, to let my go for e- baby for even a second? There's got to be some kind of magic to that. Yeah, totally. Because she's not, she would not let that oh, she would not, not that easy, fuck no. Yeah. So she's like looking forward, trying to find her. And then she finds a torn shirt for Rob, <laughs> the guy that she's been hooking up with that we love. And he, he she finds him... And he, we only see like a silhouette, but he obviously doesn't look right. And there's definitely a branch going into his back. Well, the, it wasn't a shirt. It was a piece of his skin because it was a, the tattoo. that. He oh, got. my God. That's the tattoo. You're right. Oh, my yeah. God. 
it makes it darker as fuck. Oh my god, he's definitely dead then. Yeah, I'm colorblind, so I, I couldn't tell that was like oh, muscle, yeah. not flesh. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh god, no, I loved him. I know, dude. I know it fucking hurts. <sighs> and then with an what? actual to be concluded, because yeah, as we said, the penultimate issue. This book's breaking my heart. I know, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> so, the cover, uh, but next one though. The last page, like, holy oh, shit, yeah. this cover is going to be awesome. Yeah. Highly recommend you guys pick this up when it comes out on trade. Uh, if you haven't yes. been getting issued issues. So, All right, that takes us to our last indie publisher, which is Image Comics. Uh, we have a couple. Josue, I want you to start off with Stillwater. Stillwater. Not the band from the Super Dope movie. Almost famous. Stillwater, the comic from Image Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky. And uh, artist is by Ramon K. Perez, and colors is my, uh, Mike Spicer, lettering by Russ Vuitton. Whew. So, we left off because we had the the whole town's meeting. One dude decides to blow himself up in front of the judge, because the judge is a piece of shit. Um, and next thing we know is that the sheriff went to go find his military marine buddies and let them in on the big hush-hush secret that nobody can die in this town. And now they're the new people rounding up the... What they call them terrorists, but really it's like the, the 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 people who are trying to rebel against like this like really shit uh, way of running this town. So these marines are really no joke. They're not to be fucking messed with because at least they fucking have training and they're just very excited to fucking be there since nobody can really die. And there's like a really gross scene of like the judge coming. He's he's coming back to himself, but in a way like the Deadpool comes to himself uh, with like the, the little baby hand, like in the first Deadpool movie. <laughs> it's really gross. Like they they really are immortal in this town. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, Laura, is, the the mom, uh, is with the son, the the son that was able to have his life outside of the town, and he and he finally made it back. Um, they're together and they're able to like to leave. I mean, like to make it to some distance. I think they're still within the circle of the town. Um, by the end of their shit, it's like they do get found out. Like they're they're obviously being followed. It was like a whole like marine team, and it's like they had their own plan. So they're in this house, and there's one dude just like oh, the one, the one that finds them. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just let's just fight it out, kid. Since he's like all trained, just like wants to like enjoy this. Um, the the guy, like our main character, I fucking forget his name. He gets a sword from the wall, like a, a decorative sword, and he's like, I'll fight you. <laughs> and he just gets his ass kicked. And the dude is like, all right, all right, I'll pick up the other sword. And he's like, dude, these are fucking decorative. These are dull as hell. Um, but not dull enough that the marine dude is able to hack off his arm right but not before the but not before the mom had had also gotten shot so she's down in the house while he was while he's been fighting this whole time and so he gets like the our main character gets his arm chopped off right before he's probably just gonna go back into death unconscious when a kid pops up and he's like hey mister like don't hurt him like being a fucking kid um and he's like hey kid just just walk away i don't want to have to hurt you and then, like, our guy, which is with one arm, <laughs> is able to pick up a sword and actually decapitate the Marine dude. And the kid is like, all right, you're going to have to you follow me, dude. Like, because uh, uh, they see headlights. And it's like, oh, shit, it's probably, like, a buddy for, from the Marines. Like, we, And the, the kid's like, we got to get the fuck out of here, dude. Follow me. Meanwhile, back at the town, everybody's being rounded up. <laughs> it sucks because, like, the, 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 the black dude from the welcome party who basically detonated himself in front of the judge. He's basically now saying like, Oh, I didn't do this. I didn't do this as his, as his face is 
melting back to to himself. Oh. It's really gross. And the whole time he's like, oh, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And it's like, all right, well, that's weird. That thing that you wouldn't admit to, even though you're like, we're all being like radicals here trying to get out of this town. So I wonder if he was probably being a patsy for this side. But meanwhile, now, so that's what happened in the town. Everybody's being rounded up into cages. And so, yeah, back to the kid. Um, the reason why he, this boy helped out our main character is because you're one of the, ch- you're one of the Stillwater children and the only one that achieved the dream to grow. Cause again, like, yeah, they are immortal. They don't, they don't die, but it's more in the sense that they don't prolong their life. Like they don't grow older into mortality. Kind of like, like I said before, like Pinocchio and fables, but, but th- these are not a bunch of like pervy little kids. They're just like kids. I would just love to just experience growth. And mm-hmm. this guy who was able to make it out of town grow into adulthood is almost like their hero. And we get this cool cliffhanger, almost like this Ewok um, treehouse <laughs> setting. So I was like, oh yeah. shit, like it's actually growing here. Cause like the first thing it was like, cool, like the, the authoritarian figure in Steelwater against the welcome party. But now the welcome party is really dwindling in numbers. So now it's the, the Steelwater children who are going to answer the call. And it's like, ah, that's pretty fucking cool. That's pretty dope, dude. Yeah, I've been wondering what's up with that book. Yeah, because like it, it presents up, it presents itself as like as a horror, like where it wanted to, but it's really more of a, of a thriller, and and it started to become like its its own thing. It's hard to describe yeah. what kind of genre. Nice. Talk to me about Ultra Mega Three, which I could not find. Oh. It was sold out. Ultra Mega Three, <laughs> this face, <laughs> <laughs> this dopey face. His name is Boosh. I'll get to Boosh in a second. Um. Yeah. So you got to this guy, right? This like weird person who has like a maw for a body and just has limbs. He's still just running around. Mm-hmm. Um. He finds a mother figure. He calls it. Uh, he, he he talks very childlike. He's like, "I do good, mother." Meanwhile, this is the mother that in reference. Oof. In like in this pool of blood, she's literally like, like I guess like one of the kaiju's when they die and like the blood started gushing into the streets as an actual little blood flood. Uh, this mother is just literally just basking in it. So it's like, oh, that's fucking weird. She doesn't really answer to much. Hmm. Meanwhile, back in, back into our real story or the main story is um, the boy the the that has like the prop like it's like the destiny and the one that he got he gets kidnapped and they put him into his gladiator games and they put him in these like mascot suits of the old ultra megas and it's like mm-hmm. three of them or it's like and these are the other two the dude with the mustache who's like super tough and the dude in red who's literally pissing and shooting himself because he's so scared of what's about to happen <laughs> and who else is also there but the the fucking villain dude the the red the the, per, the human who wants to be a kaiju so fucking bad right remember he got messed up yeah so they find him all messed up and they put and they drag his ass into the gladiator games <laughs> <laughs> um so it's it's so fucked up because we already know how intense and gruesome this world is um this gladiator games is no joke um so much happens that basically they have to fight like i said in this tournament and on the other side are like these miniaturized uh kaijus like the, the literally the setup of the the coliseum it's actually this is the best way to put it the setup of the coliseum is basically the setup to the the Megazord scenes in Power Rangers, like those miniaturized, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big little cities up to your waist. It's like that bunch of big little big little uh, skyscrapers, and they're basically gonna terrorize like the that little city against other other kaiju's. One of the kaiju's that's gonna be on their side is a little turtle dude, who's just like, yeah, I don't want to fucking be here. Like the only <laughs> the only reason why this kaiju is here is because 
It's because of his size. They literally sized him up, isn't big enough to be a kaiju, so he can do a gold battle out with the fucking humans. What does he do? He gets his neck out all the way out and just and just says bye. He's not gonna play. It's <laughs> so fucking brutal. So, yay, they're at the Coliseum. <laughs> and we get introduced to the monsters that they have to fight. It's a tentacle monster dude. An actual Godzilla thing with like a maw for um, a hand. Mm -hmm. And then the ever favorite, Boosh. <laughs> this guy. The, the guy, the guy <laughs> and the guy with the mustache, like the, the, the green Ultra Mega was like, yo kid, just stay behind me. I'll protect you. But it turns out the rules is like, it's kind of a one-on-one -on -one fight. And so when they present the monsters and then Boosh, <laughs> the green guy goes, fuck it, I'll go first. I pick Bush because he just looks so <laughs> not menacing. <laughs> so the green ultra mega mustache dude like knees at one of the buildings and is able to get a stick and what would look like an actual shield made out of the building. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bush just does his thing. He says, Bush <laughs> <laughs> and releases this giant tongue of a maw that just encapsulates. Oh, Jesus it. Christ. <laughs> and in it because it's also its own life form it's once it captures you in this tongue worm thing from inside bush he can he expels acid into the inside of now captured thing and that's how he eats because he retracts back the tongue with the uh, decompose and now yeah all the skulls and just eats that instead bush <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Uh, so yeah there's like a there's an epic battle um at the very least like our kid is barely barely able to make it out um he has, has at least ends up putting one down so much crazy shit happens in this one we get introduced to another mother or another mother of the dude who's running the game so you thought this the dude who's running the game is like oh it's the big bad and then he shows, shows up to fight but then his mom shows up holy what the fuck dude what is this book that's crazy <laughs> yeah he like the mother shows up and is like yeah you're playing games right now and this is like ah, it's all in your name or it's all in to spill blood and it's like nah fuck this shit meanwhile this whole time the the boy who was kind of kicking ass is able to make a run for it but not before also dragging the the villain dude like the red kaiju person dude uh he just saves him for whatever reason and they're going through these tunnels when one of the monsters that got left behind followed them through the tunnels and it sucks because it was this monster right it turns mm -hmm. out this monster had a love story with Boosh. <laughs> and now that Boosh is dead, <laughs> that's like, he just wants to enact like this vengeance. But anyway, um they're able to they're by the end of they're able to escape. Like he he drops the the red kaiju person down while well, this whole time he's been unconscious. He's gonna drop drop him down to safety, and right before he gets dropped to safety, he gets clenched and then clenched. And so he just has half a half a chest just missing down in those depths of wherever they just escaped to. And that was ultra mega three. It's just, it's so bloody intense. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> nice. I bet Steven loved it. Oh, I bet. So too. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our first of two. Number fours, radiant black. Number four. Nice. Written by Kyle Higgins, drawn by Marcelo Costa, uh, colored by Rod Fernandez, letter by Becca Carey. Um, we were told this is the issue where everything changes. Uh-huh. And that was correct. <laughs> <laughs> so we have our main character, who is a writer 
and his little buddy sidekick, which was giving me real invincible vibes, and I think that's just because of the timing of you know yeah that. But obviously, this is different, and yeah. So uh, Nathan is like Nathan's our our leader or our hero, and he's trying to test out his powers and stuff. And his buddy's like, "Hey, I'll help you test them." And so they go and they do the little like you know. Uh, superhero power montage that we see in every movie and stuff, which is fun. And they're trying to work it. And then who shows up but Radiant Black? Yes, I'm going to stick with the name Radiant Black because I think it's funny. <laughs> um, so he shows up and he's just like, I will fuck your shit up, basically. And they fight. They have a typical, you know, superhero fight where they actually destroy a small building. They're fighting. The building starts collapsing and then they have to work together to keep it up. And they're doing so, and they're like, we got to get out of here. And Radiant Black is like, get out of here. And he, you know, he, the the other dude, like, escapes just as the building falls on Radiant Black. Uh, we see a crack in the bad guy's uh, helmet. Yeah. I don't think it's the father. I know that was your theory for Yeah. yeah no. I saw the eyes, like, ah, oh, shit, never mind. Yeah. But in the end, we find out that, yeah, Nathan's dead. Radiant Black is dead. Like, four issues in. And then, huh? He's gone deceased. You're right. <gasps> no fucking way. You know, I, it didn't click with you. This is the whole point of the issue. <laughs> I know, but it was like I didn't want to like really believe it. It's like there's no fucking way. But you're right. It just I'm just actually reading the te- like really like, bringing the text now. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. And so his buddy, his sidekick, is like, "What's wrong? Oh no, my friend!" And then suddenly the little black hole shows up for him. Yeah. And basically, he he gets the powers now. And it tells him, just as it told it told Nathan, our connection is final for the duration of her life. You know? Yeah. And and it hints that a big bad is coming, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, holy shit, dude. Yeah, holy shit. What a, what a change. <laughs> so, I dig it. It oh, definitely cool. makes it stand out. The the splash of, like, welcome to existence, like... Oh, that's gorgeous, yeah. What the fuck is that going to be? Like, is, it's is, like is, a giant is, tsunami robot. <laughs> right, it's like going to be, like, their mech suit or something that they can, like, control, too. Because I don't know if you saw, like, there's also a bunch of, like, uh, reprints that came out this week for Rating Black. Mm-hmm. And the one for number three was the future version that Nathan saw of himself with, like, the cape. And then yeah. next to him, and he was and he's standing perched on top of a building, and next to him is the fucking, the, the mech. Nice. I think we might see Radiant Black turn good. Like, I think he might, like, team up oh, with the yeah. new Radiant Black. Radiant Black, yeah. yeah. Radiant, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, think, I think he might end up being more of a anti-hero type. Ooh, okay. So, because, I mean, there's a war coming, and they obviously got their powers probably from the same source. Yeah. So they're probably going to work together. Which, and it's like cool. kind of like the Sentai thing, thing to do, like like the, when like the six Power Ranger joins. It's kind of like you yeah. like the anti hero that's never really part of the team, or depending on the series. Uh, yeah, but yeah, you know the, the, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, and then there'll be tension between them because he indirectly killed his friend. You know, so yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm digging it. I'm really enjoying it. Did you end up reading these two little pieces in the end? No, it's uh, what's it's uh, the friend. Well, Marshall, yeah, Marshall. It's it's him giving people advice on like di- two different businesses, and it's like in in a very Marshall way. You should do that <laughs> I'll this. check that out. Yeah, nice. All right, but no time for that because Josue, <sighs> oh, we've been waiting for this all week. <sighs> Stray Dogs number four, written by Tony Fleeks, drawn by Trish Forstner. I don't mean to sound depressed. Colored by Brad Simpson, 
uh, layouts by Tone Rodriguez and Flatter by Lo- Lauren Perry. Like I've been talking this whole time about Sea of Sorrows, Ultra Mega. What was the other super dark book? Nottingham, and I love it. They're they're so dark. They're so part of their tone. <laughs> this book broke my fucking heart, dude. Yeah, this is the this is the most emotional book of the week. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. Um, for those who don't remember, listen to our interview for the record. Yeah, uh, but. Um, this is the book Don, drawn in the, the Don Bluth style with the multiple dogs. And we find out the guy has been killing women and stealing their dogs. Um, and last issue, sweet, sweet Victor tried to call for help for the cops. He got caught because Earl is a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> So Earl ratted him out basically. Went and got the went and got their um, their owner and had him come over and basically stop them. And then he took him out. He took took him behind the shed, and we heard a bang. Yeah, and we presumed okay, Victor's dead. And yeah, he is, but it's so much more than that, guys. Um, so the owner leaves, and. Um also I love Imogene by the way. Like this is our first time really focusing on Imogene just being the biggest dog in existence. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love it like a bear. <laughs> it's just great. But basically they're all they're all remembering including Rusty who lies and says he remembers just to kind of like yeah. back up, you know, the story with Sophie and stuff. So they're all trying to figure it out what's going on. They get outside they're trying to figure out if Victor is actually dead. They find they find something that smells like Victor, and it's a shallow grave behind the shed. And I'm like, see, he's dead, guys. But Tony is more twisted than that. Tony Tony is way more twisted than I am. And he's like, wait, he's somewhere else, too. And they manage to get into the shed and smell him there. And then we see something I'm not even going to describe to you. Because it's horrifying. Yeah. Let's just say he he okay, no, fuck it. I'm gonna say it. he skinned. He skinned him. Yeah. He fucking skinned Victor. There's there's Victor's skin hanging there. Like some fucking Corolla de Ville motherfucker. Uh so <laughs> it's like, oh shit. And then of course the dogs panic and they're like, we need to get the fuck out of this house, basically. The entire time this is happening, uh Earl is having his own arc throughout this issue where he betrayed them all and he's remember he's saying it's because the master gives him treats mm-hmm. and he's remembering this and he breaks into the special room and he you know he's sniffing around and he remembers that when he was a little cute little puppy and the master would give him a treat and what he didn't realize was the master was giving him a pile of treats to eat while he was killing his lady yeah and it's like, oh, that's dark as hell. And then it shows him, because he's the oldest one of all of them. It shows him show- showing up at the house as a puppy with a whole another group of dogs. Yeah. And they're like, oh, new dog. And then we turn the page, and all of their heads are hanging on the wall in the special room. What? Dude, what the fuck, Tony? He's <laughs> like, yeah, having a flashback of like, oh, new dog, new dog. Like that's literally the same face Sophie made. Like exactly the book, and it's like when everybody's all excited for her, and it's like, God, this book, this book was just be. I literally get fucking goosebumps. It's like, God, yeah. fucking damn it! 
We only have one issue left. I really hope she says something if she if she goes on if she if she goes on being a character that it was just like a silent character that'd be great still great too. Mm-hmm. But I, just, I really like it. But the fact that she kind of literally stood out in this in this issue in Mogan, I think she's just like I think she's just like one of one of those where like people like to say like, oh I have the smartest dog in the world. I think she really is the smartest one here, and she just actually has remembered everything, has never not forgotten like anything. Yeah. That's why because like when she when she gets stands up and everybody's like oh shit she's about to say something. And her walk towards the water is just sad as fuck. Not really. I don't care about this about any of this. It just looks sad. Like almost like yeah, no, they're all right. But like they're, they're everybody's saying the truth. Or she, Sophie's right. But nobody's gonna believe me either. And it's just like I just I really feel for her, especially when she when she has like that run in with with Earl later on. Exactly. Yeah. It's just man, it's really good, guys. Yeah. No, it's the next very one's good. Final issue is like how how is this gonna end? <laughs> yeah. All right, let's shift gears into something hopefully a little happier. DC comic books. <laughs> we have two books. We picked up. We each picked up both. Nice. Uh, I want to start with Nightwing. Cool, cool. Let me get oh. reaching for it. There, there we go. Okay, Nightwing number eighty. I got the deluxe cover. Oh, nice. Oh, that's a good one. I didn't see. Yeah, that. yeah, it's oh, gorgeous. Cool. The way it does this, the logo. That's fucking cool. Yep. They keep hiding the logo and things. It's great. <laughs> so, uh, written by Tom Taylor, drawn by Bruno Redondo, colored by Adriana Lucas, lettered by Wes Abbott. Uh, this is continuing the story we've seen with Dick, where he is in Bloodhaven. He inherited all this money from Alfred, trying to figure out what to do with it, and he wants to help people. As we saw in the last issue, he met a homeless man and his son. He offered to buy them a meal, put them up in a hotel. He made the reservation for the hotel, but before the man can make it there... He's killed by some mysterious killer. Uh, who rips out his heart, by the way. The boy gets away. Mm. Uh, some, some detectives show up and say, hey, you have made a hotel reservation for a guy who found his, we found his heart ripped out later. So look, obviously you're the first person we're going to ask, <laughs> which is good detective work. Um, and basically Dick calls Barbara is like, I was your, you know, you're my one, you know, you're my alibi. alibi. <laughs> so come on back. And she's like, I'm Barbara Gordon, you know, he was with me. I have GPS on my phone. She's like, I can do everything you need to do, basically. And I like, they're like, I see Miss Gordon. What's the nature of your relationship? And they kind of look at each other. Oh, and I'm like, I hated this scene. <laughs> I hated this page. Had it's like, teen times it stop not been cheating a- on Starfire or Barbara, whichever one you're actually with. If you I son of a bitch. That'd be okay. But the fact that both books are happening at the same time. <laughs> And it's addressing it. Yeah. At least Teen Titans is addressing it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, this, I love this book so much. Mm-hmm. There's so many little things I love. I love the cross section. Yeah. The motion the page pages. I'm looking at. Yeah. The motion pages is what makes it for me for this book. They're just so fun. And then just little stuff like this panel down here. Yes. That blue. Where it's just like, you don't see anything but his mask. Like they do stuff like that in this book. And I really love it. Um, Tim Drake shows up and my what I would say the worst line of the week Tim Drake thought of as many by the as the best Robin boo I totally <laughs> get it and it's like ah oh, come on dick <laughs> <laughs> suck it dick so uh, basically he wants Tim to be Tim not Robin and to go talk to the homeless kids try to find the the son of the guy that was killed he does um, they're trying to figure out what's going on. The homeless camp gets attacked, and Nightwing and Robin defend it. And 
it's on fire and then like the it's really funny the bad guys are like hey there's no money in killing these people basically hmm. you know like who did it it's like it was him heartless yeah. and we see the guy there with the gold mask the big like like crack in reality where his heart should be right when next we get heartless versus nightwing i love this book it's charming it's beautiful this fucking panel him just standing on the wire is super cool like only yeah. really he can have that balance was just so fucking dope yeah or this fight between like the the team up how he <laughs> just flings tim the other way as he goes for the other guy yep. again it's all about the motion pages in this book that just work mm-hmm. for me so well i really like how when he the when he swings uh, I believe it was when he was with De- Tim. Let me see if I can find it. Um, his item he swings with mm-hmm. is a bar, like a trapeze with a string, like a trapeze. Yeah. yeah, that's such a great touch. I really like that. So, but yeah, excellent, excellent book as always. So, is it Nightwing's job, or like, is it when it's his turn? So, Batman does the night stuff. Does Nightwing does the dusk hour? Right. <laughs> is, is that like all right? Cool. We're a Bat family. Robin, you get the daytime. Batgirl, you get the afternoon. Nightwing, you get the dusk around dusk, and then I'll handle the night. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then next up is a book that we've been waiting for for so long, guys. So fucking long. Uh, Wonder Girl number one, and by Wonder Girl we mean Yara Floor, the babe. Uh, not Di- not Diana Troy. Screw Diana Troy. <laughs> um, or Diana Troy, not Diana Troy. Uh, Donna Troy. Sorry. I'm not a, a fake nerd, I promise. <laughs> I know. Uh, I just don't, really don't like Donna Troy. <laughs> so, um, written and drawn by Joelle Jones, which is incredible. This book is so good. Yeah. And she does both. You know, Sometimes when you have somebody that does both, you're like, yeah, the art's great, but the writing's meh. You know, or the other way around. No, it's perfect. Uh, colored by Jordi Belair and letter by Clayton Cowles. Um, so I got the A cover. Yes, same. But I also got... Whoa! I didn't even see that. Fuck, that's cool. It was it was the most expensive thing I bought this week. <laughs> oh, it's so, like one of those incentive. So I'll give you more of a. Fuck, that's hella shiny. So cool. Yeah, it's uh, Rafael Grampa, mm. and it's a team variant. Oh, so, sick! Yeah. Bye. So yeah, it's great. But basically, we get the origin story of Yara Floor, and it took about two panels for me to fall back in love with Yara Floor. Yeah. So, <laughs> look, she's just the absolute best character that DC's created in a very long time. Mm-hmm. We find out that basically her mother sacrificed herself for her, and Yara Floor is kind of dealing with it. And she has to, she's going back to Brazil for the first time. She's part of a tourist like tour, like a bus tour, helping this old lady and stuff. And she's just insanely hot the entire time. <laughs> and I love that people are checking her out, basically. Mm-hmm. So, meanwhile, we find out that she's going to have some major importance in the DC Universe because we're getting reactions from Themyscira, from Mount Olympus, and from Bonamagadal. So, it, it's resonating, basically. I mean, that's where it starts, but then the double page spread where like the rest yeah. of the DCU like, starts reacting to it? Yeah. So it's really, really interesting. And basically it goes on to show who she is, which, you know, Hey, cool. She's a hero who saves people. What a unique idea. Zack Snyder. Anyways. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, and yeah, basically we know some shit's going down. Uh, she's checking out like a, a reservoir. Um, something happens. She gets pulled under the water and it seems like she's drowning. She hears some music. And then we see 
some kind of water monster had pulled her under. Yeah. Well, even even still, like where right before she goes under, it's like the the thing that pops up. Like from what we do know from future, say that's her what uh, lasso of truth, so to speak. That's true. Yeah, that's what she was rocking around. So it's like, oh fuck, this, this is getting very interesting because like yeah, everybody's reacting to it on like this is something that should not be happening. This girl should not be touching back down into her home, like home soil, really, because everybody's just having like some sort of weird trigger by this, even though it's kind of like just let her be, right? Yeah. Also, the also, driver was super fucking hot too. The what? The bus driver was. Super oh yeah, hot too. yeah. <laughs> Poppy is the word that would come. <laughs> <to mind. laughs> so, um, I also really like the we we talk about this sometimes the the clothing design the clothing mm-hmm. cho- clothing choices. I think this is one of those ones that kind of pops like Power Pack, where everybody has a really yeah. actually well thought out outfit and stuff. So, I just love her outfit. Even the fact they gave her a neck cushion from being on the plane. <laughs> yeah, so. I was like, that's cool. That's a nice touch. So. Also, she's still using wired headphones, so that's cool. I dig that. Me too. I refuse to go wireless. So it's like, hey, we're the same Yara floor. <laughs> <laughs> marry me. No, we'll talk about marrying me later. Um, before we move on, I did want to tell you that I did go back and picked up this bad boy. Fuck yeah, Future State Gotham. It was great, wasn't it? it, it, it it's, it's gonna be part of my this weekend's reads for sure. Because I was like, yeah. I was so excited by everybody talking about this book. Yeah, I love it. You can see the Akira influence. Oh, totally. So good. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. We're switching to Marvel. And Josue has a couple solos. I have no solos this week, which might be a first for Marvel. Well, so. a couple. I said I didn't pick up two when I should have. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. No, that's right. Never mind. Okay. So, yeah. Let's start with... Well, then, let, you know what? Let's alternate. Ooh, that'll be fun. Okay. You start with Amazing Spider-Man 66. Sweet. Amazing Spider-Man 66, right after the events of King's Ransom. That's right. So, yeah. how do we move forward from here? Well, let's see. A few things happen in this one to start moving shit forward. And that is, Kindred is still being tortured by Baron Mordo because of under uh, the Kingpin's uh, orders. Just to, But now that the Kingpin got his son back from the uh, the lifeline tablet he there's no reason to keep kindred anymore since that was his whole thing his whole shtick of like resurrection and shit so i was like you know what just torture the shit out of him until he fucking dies <laughs> and kindred starts pleading out father to which then uh, baron mortal gets completely knocked out by the fucking spot <laughs> yes so i was like uh all right but it turns, of course like norman osborne was there to be like hey thanks to spot like and this is all to be like it, it was a quick pro girl like now the spot has like a a free getaway plan just um, out of uh, ravencroft and so yeah cut to uh spidey peter parker our little boy in trouble right now has to go apologize to new avengers because of what just happened with boomerang which everyone told him including me that this would happen <laughs> including you <laughs> Um, but yeah, everybody's just like, they, I mean, they just give him some shit for it, but it's just like, no, like we have bigger fish to fry now because of the rose. There's a really beautiful scene of, um, Minton's playhouse or Minton's playroom. Uh, it's like a, a jazz bar. Turns out it's, um, uh, fucking Robbie's one of Robbie's favorite places. And he's, and his son is there to take, um, beetle, uh, tombstone's daughter, like out on a date. So at least he's there. He's like, all right, fuck it. Like, let's just let them be kids. And who shows up? But fucking Tombstone. And it's like, oh shit. But instead of starting something, it's just like, they just have a whole thing. Like, he, like Tombstone actually fucking loves a place too. Like, these are two like 
are these are arch enemies, but this like their favorite joint in town. So it's like, oh, all right. Um, and then just have a good little. They just threat each other, like threaten each other for like a second, being like, hey, if you just if you fuck up this night because my son is there, like, I'll 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 put you back in bars. And it's like, yeah, it's same thing. It's, I'll fucking kill you, baby, if you mess up my night with a with my daughter, you know. And it was like a nice little sweet moment. So they 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 toast to a truce for the night. So I was like, I right, cool, whatever, <laughs> that's cool. Um, Mary Jane is back in town. She gets kidnapped by Overdrive because Carly Cooper, who they're kind of having a fling. Overdrive, not Mary Jane. <laughs> Overdrive and Carly Cooper are having a thing, uh, but she's been missing. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're going to set up that story for a little bit later. Um, but yeah, coming back to Norman and Kindred, um, Kindred's like, oh shit, like you really did it. You rescued me. And Norman's like, I told you like, I'll, I'll be your fucking dad from now on. Like I'm your fucking <laughs> dude, you know? <laughs> and then like it isn't dead it's not too late i've always dreamed of this and fucking it he just turns on him (laughs) of course and now you do like now you understand dad under all the anger all the cruelty this is who you really are broken scared defenseless and he wraps his he wraps his neck with his centipede and it's like super fucking gross and he's literally just like tossing him from wall to wall he's like fucking idiot and probably the kindred's fucking free now probably um Touching back on JJ, he's pissed that Spider-Man Peter Parker won't do the threats and menaces suit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, and God, it's such a JJ fucking a J. Jonah Jameson moment because he's like, I did this to to make him be a hero for the city, and he does this to me? Well, no more. <laughs> and of course he turns over again. So now, but the, so now uh, J. Jonah is gonna hire someone else to maybe take on the suit and find a hero of his own. So we'll oh, see what man. happens, what happens there. Um, other than that, um, yeah, it just Peter Parker back in back in the dumps because he has no roommates. Like Boomerang is fucking gone. Why would you want him back? And then Robbie moved in with Beetle, or fucking the Robbie's son moved in with Beetle. So it's like, and his wall is broken in because of the fight. And so yeah, and he donated the last bit of money that he got from Dutch and Menaces to Aunt May's shelter because of course he would. Uh, so yeah, he's just back in his in his dumps. He gets a, he gets a text message it's like, oh shit. It's fucking Betty Brand. She's back. She's back in town. Yeah, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. I'll, I'll go have coffee with her. Um, yeah, this is getting some coffee, catching up. No more big surprises. Betty Brand is hella preggers. Oh god. Yeah, we'll find out who the dad is, oh, and god. then for the last review. I mean, the last time she was with somebody, it was with Flash Thompson. I was gonna say Flash. Yeah, <laughs> but he's been but he's been dead. Um, there's no way this happened this quickly. <laughs> Right after King and Black, no fucking way. <laughs> anyway, for the epilogue, we come back to Carly Cooper in a cell and be like, "Oh shit, where am I? Hey, hey, let me out!" And somebody in the back, "Hey, don't waste your breath. You, it's pointless. There's no escape. It's Harry Osborne." What? Yeah. What? I mean, I went back. I went back and forth to, to the beginning of the issue. Is like it's Norman, right? Like this is where Kindred put him. But there's tell me, you don't see any wrinkles there. That widow's peak is not as deep. That that looks more Norman to me personally. Let, okay, let me show you Norman from the beginning, and you can kind of compare with me here, because uh, it's. It, I, I want to say there's no fucking way. Damn it! Where is a good one? <laughs> All right, fine. We're gonna have to find. Like compared to this, those are wrinkles like down the down the nose, uh-huh. like down the down the eye, down the mouth. <sighs> there's another one. There isn't another one. Um, and this face is a lot more useful. But he's not grimacing. 
He's not. I don't want to believe. I, the, and this whole time, I didn't want to believe that Kindred was. Him. I think it's Norman. I think it's Norman. I didn't want to believe that Harry I was. Think Kindred. That. I mean, oh, okay, we'll find out. Because <laughs> for Harry to start to go double down on the dark side, it just—it's not that yeah. it's not a character. He's done it before, but it's only—it's only ever out of the influence of a serum or some other psychosis. It's never been out of his heart. He's never been that dark the way Norman has. So yeah. I think I think it's more of a body swap because they even refer to Kindred as a demon, not necessarily. I mean, if yeah. Harry is in there, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, my money's betting on. And I, I fucking hate that they look the same. That's the thing. I just I hate that they look yeah. the same. But he does and d- until they give me a hard confirmation that's Norman. I mean, that's Harry. I'm gonna assume it's Norman. Let me see what shirt he's wearing because he's wearing. Like a green he's got to have like a name tag that says Harry Osborne, <laughs> like because it is more logical. I think. Why would he be wearing a black coat and a purple suit? Like in, in a purple shirt. Well, he's a, he's in prison. Like he could have given. Don't don't read too much into this. You're he's, going there, conspiracy theory. There's no time to change. Kindred did. You're not getting just, conspiracy theory. It's okay. Kindred <laughs> did not overpower him and then make him change. No fucking way. <laughs> Tag Nick Spencer and ask him. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want a quick follow up on what you're saying. I just sent you a picture. Ooh. You mentioned Spot. People say Spot's the worst Spidey villain ever, and I disagree. That panel I just sent you is the funniest was one of the three funniest panels oh, i've ever seen in comics yes it's so fucking funny and i know they want to make this character a joke but even even he <laughs> fucked around with daredevil during mark wade's run and it was actually really fucking cool the way they incorporated his powers and messing with daredevil being blind. i just love i just love how ridiculous this is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just looks so stupid spider-man punching himself in the <laughs> it's like, so good no i love so, it all right so since we're alternating i'll go to the Val- uh, the mighty valkyries number two cool uh, written by Jason Aaron and Torin Grunbach, artists and Mattia Dia Lewis. Uh, and then the backup story is for Runa, Torin Grunbach, and artist is Erica D'Urso with Marcio Meniz doing the coloring. And the lettering done for the entire thing is by Joe Sabino. Uh, so the Jane story is still done in that hyper-realistic, almost Alex Ross art. Ooh, okay. And we're finding out more and more. Uh, it's funny that I say that. Um, we're finding out more about this character that has shown up. This uh, uh, shapeshifter that uh, is chasing Loki basically to punish him. Um, and he, this shapeshifter calls himself More, and he starts speaking with Jane, and we find out how he got out. Uh, in in Hell, uh, Carnilla, who is the wife of Hella, as we know, mm-hmm. made a deal for uh, to release him in exchange for the waters of Erdurburner, which is you know like these. It's a river, so basically it brings life back to Hell, like like grass starts growing and shit like that. Meanwhile, he's able to escape, and that's why he's here. And he's like, "Hey, I wasn't even gonna, I wasn't even gonna hunt or kill." Loki, I just wanted to punish him a bit because they basically the whole point of it is he's descended from Loki and the gods, much like Fenrir, mm-hmm. they figured what he was going to do and so decided to capture him to prevent it from happening, but therefore turning him against them, therefore making it happen, <laughs> you know, like so um so he's basically like, Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm just preventing this from, you know, or he's like, I'm just mad because they did this to me, but I'm not going to kill him or anything like that. So you kind of get that he's going to be like, maybe a good guy. Mm-hmm. 
like maybe he's and him and him and um Jane get along pretty well. And they draw him a little sexy. <laughs> a little bit sexy, I would say. Like Okay, yeah. <laughs> like and so like those shots and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, those eyes, holy shit. Yeah. So but then uh they're basically talking it out and then who shows up but Craven the Hunter. Oh uh, oh. And he's here to kill the wolf, basically. Yeah. Ties him up and goes to shoot him, and that's where it cuts away. Now, the Runa story, which is Tessa Thompson Valkyrie, as I called her for a long time, mm-hmm. um, she's freeing the oracle that gave her her name back. And they're trying to escape from this place, and basically the oracle is giving her step-by-step instructions on how to escape without getting killed. And it's just kind of a breakout. It's a kind of a shorter story compared. It's not like half and half really about 75% of this is the Jane story. Okay. So, but they reference each other and it sounds like they're going to cross over eventually. So, Ooh, okay. Yep. A lot of fun. All right. Next up final fantasy life story. Number one, or final fantasy. Fucking <laughs> I just saw FF. <laughs> like, I love it. Oh, imagine that. Imagine I would love that book too. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic Four Life Story number one. Uh, I know you were probably pretty excited about this because you really like the Spider Man one. Oh, yeah. No, the Spider Man was, was fantastic. But, but in this one, I'm, I'm going to be like, I don't want to say cautious, but I, I am going to be have to be prepared or like be ready for certain references because I'm not like, I don't know my FF lore as much as like my Spidey lore to be like, oh, this is what they're doing here. Uh, but anyway, that being said, yeah, you're, you're way more of a Spider Man fan. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, Fantastic Four, live story number one, the 60s. This was not written by Chip Zarsky. This was actually by uh, Mark Russell, artist is Sean Izaske. You know, Izakse. Uh, color artist is Nolan Woodard, and lettering is by Joe Caramanga. So in this case, in this live story, because li- the whole point about live story, it is like a what if, but it's more like time actually moves with, like if it would with us, instead of just like how one year one year in the comics is actually is about like five years in our time and depending on who's really pro- moving along the story the right. architect the architect of the whole house anyway so in this one she gets really interesting starts in the beginning of the 60s when russia has been able to make it to space like russia is able to send a man and a dog to space and we haven't done shit so <laughs> uh kennedy yes J- JFK decides to enlist um, Reed Richards to start working on a fucking spaceship that can get us to space three months ago. <laughs> because the person who's not going to do it is who's the fucking guy that got that got fired. I'll come back to him. He comes back later anyway, later on anyway. Um, and then and this is what I want to know if he's like an actual like a villain or a reference to somebody who's been like his name is Doctor Jones, uh, someone who's been an opposite to Reed Richards. Anyway. They get a re starts working on a, on a project and it's like, it's moving along. You don't see the team yet. It's just kind of like him and Sue are a thing. You do see Johnny for a little bit. And then he gets a call that like, they're not going to fund it anymore. Like they're, they spend too much time on it. And it's like, we don't want to focus on this anymore. So Reed is like super bummed out. It's like, fuck, like literally everybody's leaving. They're going to dismantle the start, start dismantling the ship tomorrow. So Sue is like, well, operative word being tomorrow, let's go check it out. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, but we don't have a fucking pilot, though. And then Johnny's like, you know what? I know a guy. Enter Ben Grimm. <laughs> um, so 
they sneak in at night, like they go they go through the patrol and be like, yo, you can't come in here, Reed. Reed is like, oh, it's cool. I'm I'm just picking up a few things I forgot. It's cool. Not really seeing that there's like a fucking party in the car. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he's like, all right, cool. Just make a quick read. And next thing they know, they go off to space. <laughs> and the oh, guy's like, oh shit, what the fuck? No. <laughs> he even says like, if you do anything, I'll get fired, you know? So I was like, yeah, that's just out of a job. So they make it to ship. And sure enough, the cosmic rays um, up here and they all going through their transformations and like a panic of like being in space and like dying. Um, yeah. Johnny goes up in flames. Sue is almost like disappearing. He looks over, re looks over at Ben and he's like just a lifeless rock. And cause he tells Ben to like to hit the abort, abort button. Cause it's like an autopilot to just turn back around and he's just a rock. So he's able to stretch himself to the button. It's like, Oh cool. Everybody's triggered. Oh, nice. Um, and but not before going unconscious, is um, Reed has these panic visions. He gets this like vision of like this military dude, mm-hmm. and then the big vision of all the biggest dude. Ooh! So now he's scared as fuck, just like that he is able to see something like Galactus. But everybody, everybody wakes up back on Earth, back in like I guess like yeah, in, in their own respective hospital rooms. Johnny's trying that, to that military dude looks like Thunderbolt Ross, by the way. Oh, does, oh, kind of, because it is like Doctor Richards. Are you all right, sir? So it, it could have been. Oh, fuck! Did did this read actually serve? That'd be pretty cool. I think because I think that could have been it. I think this read or like worked with the military, had a contract with them. But yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, so Johnny's trying to like control his fire back back at home. They literally keep putting him out with extinguishers. Ben fucking hates his life now, um, rightfully so. And he's literally starts, starts blaming everything uh, on Reed. It's like it's all your fault, but then he still has to like do the whole parade thing. Like Ben is just like not having it in the back. Yeah. <laughs> so just like parading around, I was like, "Oh, these are our heroes, like the Americans that went to space," you know, and they were able to come back. <laughs> Look what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so cue the montage of every time they they save the day, like from the mole man, um, the wedding between Sue and Richards, like happens. Mm-hmm. Vietnam is starting. Um, so there's like a little panel of like have like where we are in time. And the whole time Reed is still having space demon visions. Galactus. And he takes it to the president at, at this point. It's 1964, so it's Nixon. Um he's, he, and Dr. Jones or Dr. Ricardo Jones is there. I, I really don't know if he's actually part of the much of like of the history of the Fantastic Four. But he's still there almost like with that fucking sinister smile that like I'll get you, Reed, you know. But anyway, he's still trying to get these, try to convince the American government that's like, there's something fucking out there and it's coming this way. Nobody, nobody believes him. Like, literally, it literally ends with Nixon being like, next time you see the space demon, just give us a call. You hear? It's like, fuck off, Nixon. <laughs> so, um, this fucked up moment of like Ben, like lurking outside, like Sally's, like his old, his old playing, like window and being like, God, like he misses her. And like, she literally like looks up a, lifts up a picture of him and just like puts it back down and she like goes away crying there's like a johnny carson segment with fucking ricardo dr ricardo jones and reed and the whole time dr jones is giving this bullshit answer about aliens and then mike gets topped on gets passed over to reed and he's just like no i think it's self uh self terminating question like i'm sorry what are there aliens out there it's a self-terminating question it's like a deer asking where all the hunters where all the hunters are once you know the answer it's too late and so he almost like gives like this grim answer to fucking um, on, on live TV. So it just pretty much like skips over to the last like mission for the 60s. And it's like they're going to enter like this 
the subspace, subspace chamber could be maybe the negative zone, but it's like it's just like to kind of reach more out there that they've been trying to do. They even got like grants to kind of like get cut the power out from the city so they can just focus into the back surveillance so they can do this. And this whole time, Dr. Jones convinced um, Ben to let go of the rock body so, so Dr. Jones can have in, he can infiltrate the Fantastic Four. So the mission is Rita's going to go through with Ben uh, to see what, what else is out there from like these safe suits. <laughs> and as they're going through, it's like revealed that it's Dr. Jones in, in the thing. And he goes like, after all, how many opportunities do I get to complete the perfect murder? And he pushes Ben through the, through the portal and it sucks him in too. And then that's when they reveal themselves in front of fucking Galactus. Like they portaled through Galactus's face and the whole time, Dr. Jones, the thing is like, Oh no, you were right this whole fucking time. You were right. And meanwhile, Galactus is like, they call me Galactus destroyer worlds. I see you, the terror in your soul, and I'm coming for it. I'm coming for it all. So Dr. Jones does like the thing where he can't, he knows they both can't come back. So he sacrifices himself and, and like pretty much like flings uh, Reed through the portal. So at least like one of them can go back. He's like, you're the only one that can do it. Like you're the one that has been believing it this whole time. Just, just go. And so he gets left behind. It's like this portal into subspace and dies. And he come back to their present. And Ben is going to, he's going to approach his fucking door when he gets reactivated again, because the powers have to come back somewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just has to leave and just like, it sucks. It, was, it, was really, it really sucks. So it, it becomes one of those where like, it was because they went to go knock on Galactus's door. That's the reason why he's coming this whole time. They could have avoided and Reed could have just been crazy in his thoughts, but Galactus might've never shown up had it not been for Reed. And then the last, the last page is 1969, the last year. And they're celebrating because baby Franklin is born. <laughs> So yay! Oh, so but again, again, this is gonna start moving with the times of ours. This is, I I want to say like this Franklin Richards is gonna fuck shit up by the end. Like this this Franklin Richards <laughs> adult wise, they can actually go into adult instead of keeping him a kid forever. It's probably gonna fuck shit up at the end. So yeah, that was the issue. Next thing is Fantastic Four Life Story Two, the seventies. It's really cool because again, it's gonna go through the life story of everybody, including mm-hmm. the people who join the FF. Nice. Yes, I'm excited. Oh, for, I'm excited. He doesn't age though, so yeah. But I'm excited for this neighbor <laughs> to show up and see because these these books tend to let loose on like their dialogue and not be so campy as far as like the can for canon sake. And yeah, mm-hmm. I guess dark as fuck. And we know Namor can be dark. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm gonna move on to Black Knight three, but before I do, uh, I just got uh, headline news that Hostway might want to hear. Today is National Streaming Day. Ooh. Yes. Uh, where we're finding out different uh, announcements. And you just checked our group chat. Yeah. FX has announced season two of Dave premieres June 16th. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I know you're excited. And about it's like that, not so. that much a ways away. So that's really cool. Yeah. Like, one, two. Three. There's a lot of announcements that are made, by the way. So four weeks away. Um, that's really cool. Yeah. All right. Black Knight 3, written by Cy Spurrier and Sergio Devia, inked by Sean Parsons, colored by Arif Priyanto, letter by Cordy Petit. Um, I'm upset you didn't pick up this book because it was a really good issue. Yeah. Uh, so in the last issue, you know, Elsa Bloodstone showed up. Yes. So she's she's here for the for the duration. She's oh gonna hell yeah. So um, I knew you had an issue that she didn't curse enough. Uh huh. But I think it's because 
Black Knight is already a hard sell. The last thing they need is put a bunch of language in it. So I, you know, okay, at this point. <laughs> so basically, they're like, we need to gather all the uh, all the ebony artifacts that were created before Mordred gets them. Well, we found out that Mordred already has two. The only one that's out there is the Chalice. So basically, by using the Bloodstone and the Ebony Blade, they're able to track the other ones uh, just using the magic between them. And um, they find out that Mordred also has a bloodstone. That's why Elsa's there, to get her bloodstone back from him. And it's really funny is, like, uh, the, the chick, the historian, is just kind of like, you know, why why do you care and all this stuff? And she, she basically, uh, she says, um, um, I wish to perform a necromantic, necromantic blood rite to resurrect a beast slayer from the dawn of time who also happens to be my father. And she says, oh, you must really miss him. She goes, good grief, no. The man was an abomination. He once locked me in a cupboard with a plague demon to teach me the importance of hygiene. I was four. <laughs> and she says, on the other hand, he's the only one who knows where my bloody inheritance, inheritance is stashed. Besides, family, family. <laughs> like, it's just like, so that's her whole purpose for being here. So they get in this really cool fight. And... um Basically, Mordred shows up. He has a a red cap, which is a monster from mythology. And uh, the red cap is the one that has the bloodstone. It's actually inside of its head. And um, they're having this fight back and forth. And they keep making the point that if Dane dies without the sword in his hand, he can't be brought back. Oh. But if he dies with the sword, he'll get caught. He'll get brought back. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's actually a slight implication he'll be more powerful every time he comes back. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah, there's a slight, slight implication. They didn't really, like, make a big deal out of it. But, mm-hmm. um, And then the vulture shows up from before that sent her, sent the historian chick back in time and gave her a vision. Yeah. And in the middle of this fight, gives her another vision. And this was cool as shit. It's basically Dane, or not Dane, uh, the, uh, gosh, my mind went blank, Percy, the original Black Knight. Yeah. Um, it's him at the gates of Camelot and some people show up and say, Camelot, there is evil here. Ooh, whoa. Damn, yeah. that's cool. For listeners, Thor shows up with a Viking horde. And he's basically like, you know, there's evil in the foundations of your city. And Percy's like, Northman blah 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 do not speak to me of evil little godling <laughs> and they're basically like yeah citadel's founded on darkness and um uh it's great one of the vikings says let thor the thunderer cleanse these tainted stones none need perish this day and percy says you're wrong viking one must <laughs> and it's like thor's like single combat then and he's like all right and so they get they have a fight percy and thor and the story is, is that Thor was too arrogant and didn't take him seriously and ends up losing. Oh, shit. Yeah. So when he loses, um, Percy knocks him out. And Percy has to do his little power-up thing where he just loses his temper, basically. And so he, he knocks Thor out, and so he wins the fight. And it's like, but a berserker is not so easily restrained. And Percy kills all the Vikings that oh. were with Thor. Whoa. But the 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 vulture or crow or whatever it is, it changes Thor's memories while he's unconscious. 
So he doesn't remember any of it. And he doesn't have a vengeance against Camelot or anything like that. He doesn't even remember Camelot exists. Damn. So there, it's basically more reinforcing the darkness of the person empowers the sword. The more dark they are, the, you know, yeah. Meanwhile, in, in reality, Dane is getting tempted by the ghosts of the past, trying to get him to give up, including Cersei, telling him that she still loves him, which was sad. Huh. It's also Captain America being like, Dane, we want you back in the Avengers. In fact, we think you should lead the Avengers. Oh, my God. And I'm just like, poor Dane. <laughs> it's like, really sad. <laughs> and Mordred's just trying to get him to let go of the sword so he can kill him and he won't come back, right? And uh, Elsa sees it happening. It's about to work. She has one bullet left and she wants to kill the red cap, but she can't because she has to save Dane. So she turns and shoots Dane in the head and kills him before Mordred can. Yeah. And then Mordred's like, God damn it. (laughs) Basically just takes off. They run. Dane comes back to life. And when he comes back to life, it says, uh, each return from the veil of death is easier than the last easier and yet darker. And then it's just blood flowing from him and his head is reforming. He goes, lies. It's all... This reminded me of Matt from from Die, by the way. Oh, nice. Yeah. This last panel, especially. Like, you can see his, like, the way he looks. Oh, yeah. He's looking at the sword. He's like, lie. It's all lies. Cersei, the Avengers, Shima. I'm not forgiven. Not wanted. I'm I'm exactly what I always was. Dude. A destroyer. Oh, oh, oh so, so cool. <laughs> And so he goes fucking, you know, Super Saiyan Black Knight. And, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and basically chase Mordred off, and they end up with the chalice. So now it's two and two. Oh, sick. No, I'm for sure going to come back for this issue. If, if he drinks the, from the chalice, he gains understanding, but apparently it's like Mordred thinks it's a trick. Mordred thinks that it's going to hurt Dane in the long run. So mm. loved it. It was, it was the best issue so far. So, that, it sounds yeah. like it. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to go back for that one. All right. Now... <clears throat> the goodies. We got a stack of shared marvels. We're going to get through these as quick as we can, guys. Heroes are born number three. <laughs> uh, I got the A cover. Yeah. But I also got the Peach Momoko cover. Oh, I know. With that Robbie Reyes so Ghost Rider. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so this one is all about the blur. Oh, man. And about how he's just the flash basically uh so (laughs) he has no attention span it's about him doing all these things at once and it's about his fight between him and the scarlet speedster which is the scarlet witch absorbing pietro's powers um and it very much read like a flash story it's very cool she stole his soul and if the soul stays out of the body the body will die so he has to race and it's a cool concept yeah and it's there's there's the gimmick of um you know, traveling through time as a speedster and doing things. And I love that they reference things we're never going to see. Oh, I know. Like the racing, racing the ghost runner, Johnny blaze, the speedster of vengeance. Yes. It's like one of them being, I mean, it's also a big, what if, but the, he references a doom 2099, 2099. Yeah. Right. Like I'm like, okay, so this is 2099 in this world. No, don't, don't start thinking Keith, just, (laughs) (laughs) but basically he saves the day in the end. And, uh, yeah, but then we get a secondary story, uh, and I was so fucking excited because we don't read Avengers. Yeah. Neither of us read Avengers. Yeah. And I, I know coming out of the Moon Knight story, the, the Conchu, Age of Conchu, the next big story was the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Some Avenger was going to absorb the Phoenix. 
And I had a thought, and I was like, oh, I hope it's film. And I was right. <laughs> so excited. Um, Echo. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite Marvel heroes created in the last 15 years. Echo is the one that ends up with the Phoenix Force. And I love the Phoenix being somebody who is deaf. Yeah. And she doesn't use the, her she doesn't use the Phoenix power to overcome her deafness or whatever, you know, like she's just deaf and that's really cool. So um so we find out that Blade finds her along with Cap and basically again they're building a team to take down Squadron Supreme suppo- allegedly. So yeah, and it's just really, really cool. I'm really digging this. Uh, I didn't do the creative team this time. Um, it's uh, I know it's written by Jason Aaron. Yeah, artist is Federico Vicentini and colored by Matt Mia. The background story, also written by Jason Aaron. Pencil by Ed McGinnis, inked by Mark Morales, and colored by Matt Wilson. Uh, letter by Corey Petit overall. So, yeah, I think the, the main story is introducing us to all the individual members. Mm-hmm. It's not really uh, a conventional like event book, like how it's doing like a profile for each book exactly yeah and we know the next one is going to be about doc spectrum which is their version of green lantern mm-hmm. man so, it's like really just, like just so on the nose like what's his name like the blur um stanley stewart wally west mm-hmm. and, and and they even paint him as like the asshole so it's not really um was it it's not barry. barry it's supposed to be like the other one the quippy one so it's like yes yeah, yeah. just got this on the nose but same time, we get some you almost feel bad for him for being kind of a douchebag yeah <laughs> we get some previews of some of the books coming up and i'm actually really excited about american knights oh totally dude yeah commissioner cage the hero washington deserves so we got luke cage yeah and i'm pretty sure that's daredevil yeah like that looks cool and it has to be night gwen obviously i'm gonna get night gwen video <laughs> is writing it um marvel double actions written by tim seeley the night sam wilson dies and it's like the old school like art mm-hmm. look and then um, Squadron Savage, so kind of like Savage Avengers. And then Weapon X and Final Flight. So I'm actually, I'm probably going to get all these. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, they all look pretty good. So yeah, good I'm, stuff. I'm digging it. Not too much of a big impact book. but Oh, yeah. yeah. No, not a big reveal. <laughs> all right. We're getting into elite territory soon. <laughs> uh, let's start with Champions yeah. 7. Uh, Killer App Part 2 written by Danny Lore who is doing an amazing job by the way uh, drawn by Luciano Vecchio colored by Federico Blee and lettered by Clayton Cowles this is the story of course with the champions going against Roxxon and they're going undercover to try to take them down uh, I saw a great tweet somebody sent to Danny Lore mm-hmm. where they said thank you so much for making a story about a corporation that's weaponizing representation and I'm yes. like yes Thank you. <laughs> yeah. We're getting very, very close to Pride Month, by the way. And that's, it's, you know, suddenly June rolls around and everybody has a rainbow flag everywhere. And exactly. it's like, oh, where were you in December? <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a really cool story. Um, it's about Miles getting in on, you know, being the intern. Um, Nova gets rejected at first, but I think he's going to end up being involved. Um, yeah, what's well, like the... It's going to be like almost like the we've seen it happen already because like we yeah, know how yeah. they ended with both of them already in. Yeah, um, I think this issue personally belonged to Viv. Uh, yeah, I loved Viv in this issue; she was great, uh, and not a character I have too much knowledge of. Mm-hmm. She's, I mean, she's one of the newest characters, I think. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love the bit where Vi- like her and Riri are at uh, her house, and Vision keeps popping in like a dad, being like, "You guys need anything?" And it's like, "No, Dad, go away!" Like that was really funny. Uh, but basically, Kamala doesn't want to like 
work with Roxon at all. And uh, in the end, Nova's like, I can get in. He's just like, uh, they're like, I don't know. We need like a celebrity endorsement. He's like, I know a celebrity. I can get you Kamala Khan. And then it's Kamala like spitting out her drink. So which I'm was cool because like goes. there was that moment before, like in this issue where it's just like Kamala's like setting up the plan and it's like, yeah, no, we, we're going to infiltrate this shit and like do it right. But then it's kind of like, well, well, who's going? And I, I like that she got put on the spot. Where it's like, you know what? I wouldn't like. I shouldn't be doing this because I. I I shouldn't be doing something that I wouldn't do. I shouldn't ask something of you that I wouldn't do myself, which is like the, the exact scenario. So it's kind of like, we need you right now, girl. So we're going to have to put you on the spot. Sorry. But she said, but I won't give, I yeah. can't give them anything more of myself. Yeah, no, for sure. Basically. So, oh, it's, it's fair. Yeah. So they literally named the law after her. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, good stuff. Loving it. So moving on. Josue, Ooh. breaking tradition. Which one? Oh, because normally, even though this is not an X-Men book, it's one of the ones we always save for last because it's, I mean, it's the best book two years running. <laughs> but I'm doing it first. Okay. Daredevil, number 30. Sweet. Written by Chip Zardsky. Pencil by Mark Chichet- Marco Cicero and Mike Hawthorne. Inked by Marco Cicero and Adriano De Benito. Colored by Marcio Meniz and letter by Clayton Cowles. And we're continuing this awesome thing where we're getting all these different stories. It's not. E- it feels like a team book, but it's not. Yeah. And I really, really enjoy it. So, last we checked him with Daredevil, he was bleeding out in the, in the yard at the prison. Fuck. Um, his brother, Mike, is posing as Matt. Uh, and Electra has taken up a young ward who is an orphan to teach her to be like her sidekick, basically. And uh, Kingpin is being the... We'll get to that. Living life right now. <laughs> I, I have I have thoughts about Kingpin in this that are very good, by the way. So, um, so basically, Matt is in the hospital from being stabbed, and everybody shows up. Kirsten McDuffie, happy. They're all like, "You idiot!" Basically, <laughs> and then who shows up? But Cole. Yes, it's been a while. I missed Cole. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, and he basically shows up, and he's just like, "Hey, this is someone with the FBI." Um, basically. They're like, hey, it's not safe for you in prison. Mm-hmm. We want you to investigate this thing while you're in prison. If you discover the answer, we'll commute your sentence. And he's like, I'll do it, but I'm serving my full term. And they're like, you're <laughs> such an idiot, Matt. God, <laughs> stubborn fool. <laughs> yeah. And then we get to, and I'm going to say it like I say every week, Electra drawn the best I've ever seen Electra drawn. Her hair is just incredible, <laughs> like the way they do it. It's just... I think just, I think Chichetto's Electra is like reason number five why I keep my hair so long now. <laughs> yeah, it's just so out of control and lovely. Yeah. Like I love it so. Um, but uh, she's hanging out with Alice, the girl, and she's trying to teach her how to fight. Now, here's the thing: we get to Kingpin. He's hanging out with Typhoid Mary, and she's basically untrustworthy of him because he's Kingpin, and he's just like, "Listen, we've hurt each other, but we've saved each other. You know, like let's work together." And I'm like, is Kingpin falling in love with Typhoid Mary? Uh, I wasn't, I'm not ready to ship it yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, remember, like I said, I feel like we're stealthily going towards a crossover that's going to be set in the New York Underground. Oh, okay. Because the Rose is back. Yeah. Kingpin has another son in this book. Mm-hmm. If he gets a new quote, queen with Typhoid Mary, that's a crime family thing, you know, and yeah. it's happening across different books. So I'm kind of like, are they doing this to us? <laughs> um but basically, Electra goes in. Uh, she confronts uh, Kingpin's other son, Butch. 
and it's basically like, hey, you know, you're doing crimes, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and then she gets in a big fight, and he talks about like the perception and how, mm-hmm. you know, because she owns all of this and they're all paying less rent, they have more money so they can have fun, and they're all there, you know, drinking there because they have more money. And now she's the one that came in and ruined their night. Like, that's the perception. They're going to turn on her, basically. Mm-hmm. And, um, Meanwhile, Alice gets attacked by a guy, and while Electra is fighting a really big dude in a hockey mask, Alice ends up taking a pistol and shoots the dude. And the dude fades into dust. It's the hand, which leads me to believe again, crossover's incoming, dude, I'm telling <laughs> you. Uh, so yeah, Matt goes back to prison, Cole meets with him again. Uh, and yeah, Bullseye gets out. Like a lot is going on oh, in this man. series, so I'm really, really excited for this. Um, basically, Cole tells him to take the deal. So yeah. we'll see what happens there. Take the deal, Matt. God damn it, don't be stupid. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, um, excellent, excellent book. Lots again. There's so many stories; it's hard to like have too much emphasis. I yeah. need to know if she killed this guy. I know, I was thinking that too, because that says, what, what's the sound effect there? Check. But it's like, it's the base of the back of the head, the, the object being used, and the adrenaline of the fight, like, this is a kind of a kill shot here. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. So She could just shock the brainstem and knock him unconscious. Yeah. You know, but then so. again, her next step is literally killing the other dude. Yeah. Into dust is like a, an immortal, whatever, uh, dead thing. An undead yeah. thing, but whatever. Next up, a number one. Yes. Written by Jean Luen Yang, drawn by Dyke Ron, colored by Trina Farrell, letter by Travis Lanham. It is Shang-Chi number one. Yes. And this is the one that's going to lead us into the movie. Cool, cool. So I'm very, very excited here. What cover did you get? Oh, the cover A. I got this <laughs> kick-ass variant cover. Ooh, let me see. Oh, wow. Oh, that's so sick. Yeah. Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> yeah, I saw it and I was like, well, I'm getting that one, obviously. <laughs> like, so, so, yeah, I got this variant cover. Um, it, I wish it told you outright which cover it was, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, usually, I mean, it's... It, usually you have to kind of go by numbers, like, depending on, like, if you look at the barcode, depending on what number variant, you have to kind of... Yeah, it's, it's number two, but I don't think it's... Because number two, according to this, would be J. Scott Campbell, and that's not J. Scott Campbell. No, but even in the credits, so. it doesn't say, like, uh, oh, for the variant covers, okay. Yeah. So, uh, I'm not sure who it is, but it's it's really, really, really nice, and there's no signature, so. But yeah, okay, so, Shang-Chi number one. This leads directly off of the last one, the mini. Yes. Where he's taken over the Order of Immortal Weapons, the five five weapons. Um, or the Five Weapons Society, sorry. And then, um, He's hanging out with his little sister, <laughs> uh, who really kind of made her name in the last issue or last series. Oh hell yeah! Like she's great. Esme sister is just Dagger. great. <laughs> sister Dagger. I like how originally I thought she was like a young adult, and then she slowly de-aged as, as <laughs> we were reading the book. I was like, oh, she's a kid. Um, but yeah, in this, he's on a date, and everything's going great, and they're trying to basically take apart all the criminal parts of the five weapons society and they're trying to follow a um 
a weapons deal. Meanwhile, they run into Spider-Man. <laughs> and yes. he's like, oh, I'm following a drug deal. And they're like, cool, let's work together. And um, I love that they reference that Shang-Chi is the one that actually trained Spider-Man in his like yeah. way of the spider art or martial art. When he lost his spider sense. Yeah, I love that. Got yeah. yeah, that was really cool. And like, I like how Marvel heroes all know each other. <laughs> like, that's really just a cool concept. Like, So basically, they find out that there's this um, drug called the urine root. And when you use it, um, it basically transforms you into part man and you like attack. Um, basically the guy running the shop, that's what happens. He's attacking Esme because she didn't listen to Shang-Chi and went off on her own. Um, meanwhile, Spider-Man, uh, sees the old man that she beat up and was like, what the hell's going on? He's like, can't you help an old kindly man to his feet? He's like, yes, sir. And he puts the root on Spider-Man's face and Spider-Man turns into a monstrous form of Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, they have to fight him while the dude gets away. Um, I mean, it's a really cool, quick fight. They take the thing off his face, and he's fine. Everything's everything's good. And basically, it slowly starts dawning on Spider-Man, like, what's going on? Yeah. Like, Shang-Chi is now in charge of a criminal organization, basically. Well, also, he and Sister Dagger, like, they're, as they're speaking English, they just cut to back to Mandarin, and Spider-Man's like, all right, I don't know Mandarin, <laughs> but something's fucking up here. <laughs> yeah. So something's going on there. And then... In the end, the the King Wildman, the old man, got away, mm-hmm. and he's trying to figure out, you know, what happened. How did this fall under control of such a traitor? And then somebody off screen's like, "I have an offer for you, King Wildman." Now the next issue is Shang Chi, Shang Chi versus Captain America. Yes, and with the super yeah. dumb cover of him holding the shield too. Yes, and the description: there's a cosmic cube for sale. So yeah, so great. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed this. The art, and I mean, again. It's Jean Lu and Yang and Dai Quran. It's just the combo we love. Like, you know, I, I, I love me some Jean, but honestly, this book was sold for me because I wanted to see the the MU drawn by Dai Quran. So I was like, yeah. seeing Spidey in that way is like the same feelings I get when I see a fresh Lionel Yu Spider-Man. It's like, yes, this is so fucking good. Yeah, definitely. So good stuff. Uh, pick it up, especially if you're looking forward to the movie like I am. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Next up, Wolverine number 12. <laughs> You know me too well. You know what order this is going in. Oh, yeah. Uh, written by Benjamin Percy, pencil by Scott Eaton, inked by J.P. Meyer with Orrin Jr., colored by Matt Wilson, and lettered by Corey Petit. Um, so this goes directly back into the vampire storyline that Dracula wants to get Wolverine. Um, Wolverine is uh, trying to stop everything. He's teaming up with his old friend Louise, who was part of the Night Guard, but is now slowly becoming a vampire herself. Um, they make a quick stop, basically, over in Krakoa and get her a new suit <laughs> uh, that Forge invented, of course. It's a sunblock bio suit lined with porous bone marrow that helps generate blood cells, slowing her need to feed. Yeah. A UV lace sword and a helmet that basically will block everything as well. Krakoa's awesome. <laughs> just, I know, the the Krakoa Science Division, i.e. just Forge, is just awesome. <laughs> Hey, don't forget Dr. Nemesis. And we're going to talk about oh him in a bit. Oh my god, that fucking psychopath. <laughs> He's the best. Um, she gives him a kiss. Merci beaucoup. And he says, uh, watch the neck. <laughs> that was great. Forge is the best. Um, and basically, like, they find out that Omega Red wants to be a triple agent. <laughs> so, he's like, hey, you know, just, you know, let me be myself. 
I think if I think part of it because he doesn't really like lay it out, but I think obviously he's gonna he'll probably die and come back without the vampire influence. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Because isn't so, that what they already did to him too? Yeah. So um, Dracula's like, and they're like, why don't we, you know, here's, here's my idea. This is what we'll do. We'll give them what they're looking for. And they give them Wolverine. Yay. And so all these vampires are drinking Wolverine's blood. But what happens is Wolverine isn't Wolverine. It's a Krakoa clone of Wolverine that they changed to basically give him uh, luminescent plankton in his blood. <laughs> so basically, he's a light bomb. All these vampires <laughs> drink it and die. And then they go show up just to kill Dracula. He gets away. So, um, yeah, it's really interesting. And then the thing that I know interested me and Josue the most, because we're fucking nerds, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the end, yeah. Uh, basically, they don't know what to do with Louise, and Wolverine takes her to uh, Sevalith, which we saw in X of Swords, Ten of Swords. And it's where Storm fought death with yeah. all the vampires around, and whoever lost was going to get eaten by vampires. And he's basically like, hey, this is a place where vampires can live and be happy, and, you know, they're not horrible monsters that everybody hates here. And it's like, you know, he's also asking for somebody's help, and, he's, and it's like, uh, she's asked, I humbly request your help in purging this coarse strain from the earth. And it says, if you're seeking an ally in death, you have come to the right place. There's our boy Death from Ten of Swords. Oh my god, I'm so excited. He's, he's probably a vampire now. But I don't care. Oh yeah, because they, 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 went, they went at him, that's right. Oh fuck, yeah. I don't care either. Yeah, I just, I'm just happy he's back. So so that should be I the love, best. Oh, go ahead. I, say, I love that just because Wolverine is like just tied directly into X-Force. Like he gets to break the rules just because he's part of X-Force with like making the duplicate actual yeah. clone, which is like a big fucking no, no. <laughs> yeah. Every Wolverine mission is like X-Force mission. <laughs> um, yeah. So but. that should have been the biggest reveal. It really should have. <laughs> like it should have been the biggest X-Men reveal of the week, but concluding our arch or our theme that we were talking about, Books that started off good, and we were waiting for it to pop. Way of X number two. <laughs> Cy Spurrier writing. Bob Quinn drawing. Uh, Hava Tartaglia coloring, and Clayton Cowles lettering. Look at that cover. It's almost like they knew we wanted him in Marauders. Yeah. It's like yeah. all the pirate ship shit. I remember, I remember that. I was like, you're going to do an X-Men pirate without that cover? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but look at this like, cover. It's like he belongs there. Which is funny because we st- I still love Rod. <laughs> <laughs> this book, and I'm not going to undersell those guys. Oh no! Um, this is the best era of X Men ever. We've kind of teased with stating that. I I honestly think this is the best era of X Men. I don't think it's ever, no, got, ever been better to Chris, Chris Claremont, who is and wonderful and, and is my it. hero. <laughs> no disrespect yeah. to just him. Everybody else is literally below. <laughs> hey, I love the Chuck Austin era, but that's not like everybody else's thing. And even like the Jim Lee era, mm-hmm. which you know a lot of people really really like the Jim Lee era. It's the best selling comic book of all time. Is X Men number one? Yeah. Um, but or even Stan Lee, if you want to go back that far. But anyways, <laughs> um, God damn. But just the best era of X. But Jonathan Hickman's House of X is just a whole other different monster and has been. It's incredible. So Way of X is about Nightcrawler. And it's about him struggling with the fact that there's something wrong 
with mutants now. Now that they can be brought back from death, death doesn't have a meaning to them. Mm-hmm. And is that wrong? I'm like, and this gets really philosophical if you think oh, about yeah. it. Like, like if you couldn't die, if you could come back from any injury, then why care? You know what I mean? Does pain matter? Because mm-hmm. pain is just your body telling you you might die from this. Does pain matter if you doesn't matter if you die? It's just really, really interesting. And Xavier knows that there's someone called the Patchwork Man. And I had some theories about this. <laughs> and I'm so glad I was wrong. And <laughs> Nightcrawler confronts Legion. Uh, and thinks he's the Patchwork Man. They're having a little conversation. Legion jumps into Nightcrawler's head, and this journey into Nightcrawler's head could have been a whole issue for me. Oh, Not one page. Yeah. <laughs> but but I still love it. Basically, Nightcrawler is, you know, a pirate. That's the whole thing. And in his head is a coin, and Legion pulls it out and says, like, here, here's the coin, basically. And... It's like a dirty coin is the idea. And it's it's a symbol of the corruption. And I believe of the corruption that all the mutants on Krakoa have. Hmm. So, it will bring him out and Legion's like, hey, meet with me. I'm basically, I'm about to die. Um, you know, I, I, I projected my consciousness. Basically, I left the coordinates in your mind. You have 10 minutes. Fetch some muscle. Better yet, fetch some brains. <laughs> First thing we see is we go to the blue, the Green Lagoon, <laughs> and I hate. We just, I love this scene so much. I know. I, I remember thinking he's gonna love this and then hate it and then probably love it again. So, <laughs> first of all, it's not even sword, and we're shitting on Fabian Cortez. <laughs> Always positive with me. He's bitching about how he got fired. And then Dr. Nemesis shows up, who I adore, by the way. And I always Not anymore. Him. Even back in X Club, I still love him. I don't care. Um, <laughs> so, I'm, I don't have your loyalties. So, <laughs> he's basically like, like they're listening to Dazzler sing. And for the record, it's I think Dazzler's doing something experimental, <laughs> is, is the implication. So I don't think it's supposed to necessarily be really good. Um, so basically, like. Dr. Nemesis is like complaining and Fabian Cortez is like, you don't like Dazzle? He's like, well, let me see. Do I enjoy being stabbed repeatedly in the parietal lobe by his specious word farts of weaponized human disco ball? I fucking hate him so goddamn much. And I get I it. You know what? You're right. This is a nooner at the at the fucking lagoon drinking. So may I, maybe she is ripping some ideas. But that's too fucking far, Nemesis. Yeah. Well, like, what was the one thing she... They said she... um because why? Why? Like I said, the implication of like the experimental stuff. Mm-hmm. She says something. There was a bit here. I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, where? Uh, blah 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 blah. Where is it? They talk about like her crossover. The crossover music she was doing. Oh yeah, it's right after that. He says, "I like the one she did with the Inuit throat singing and electric bagpipes." And I'm like, "Yeah, see, she's just messing around trying to find things." <laughs> so it probably does sound like shit. To be fair, so. Oh, dear. Basically, Dr. Nemesis is just talking hard shit the entire time. And then Nightcrawler shows up and he's just like, uh, oh, and oh, wait, no, let's back up for just a split <laughs> second. Because I got to talk about how Dazzler uh, is like, or, or Dr. Nemesis is like, I don't even know who I'm talking to. And Dazzler's like, that's Fabian Cortez. And then Dr. Nemesis, of all people, and the horrible things he's done is like, like, disgusted by the fact he's talking about Fabian Cortez. <laughs> he's even knowing now that he does, like, ew. <laughs> 
<laughs> Meanwhile, so Cortez is like, oh my god, Dazzler knows my name. Which I would have <laughs> the same way. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, Nightcar is like, pops up, he's like, hey, you know Legion, basically, David Holler. He's like, yeah, of course. I sedated him. He's like, good, you're coming with me. <laughs> so... <laughs> Then we get the moment, the underrated moment of the book, and I don't know how I don't know how to feel about it, Josue. Ah, uh, <laughs> so Loa, which I'm always for a Loa cameo. You guys know that. Oh yeah, Loa shows up and is talking about Mercury, Mercury's gala outfit, and she's like, "It's just these metallic paints that kind of circle around her skin like oil in a puddle." And she's like, "It's totally normal that I can't stop thinking about it, and I get all tongue tied when I see her." Oh. So I was thinking maybe you could ask her. She's talking to Pixie. I was thinking you asked her to come to the gala with us. Like three friends, totally platonic. Definitely not as my, you know, your date. Okay. Mercury's making out with Bling in X Factor. Thank you. Uh, she's she's already got a girlfriend, Loa, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's Krakoa. Fuck. That, that, that was that whole argument. That's <laughs> like, true. We're going to have to make the chart of who's fucking who in Krakoa Seriously. one day. We're going to have to. Um so Lois by, and I'm going to stand by by until someone tells me <laughs> otherwise, because I don't, I don't actually, I'm not actually attracted to a fictional character, but I absolutely adore Lois. Every man that she's tried to be interested in just rejects her. So it's like, oh no, it's a Lois. Never mind. Let's think about Mercury. Yeah. Oh no, 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 not Mercury. Yeah. Mercury, I would say is by because she's at least been attracted to dudes. Yeah. She might've changed her mind as soon as they tell us that. Great. Um, but I'm going to say Lois by because I'm with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, she's she's a cute Hawaiian surfer with tattoos. Are you shitting me? No. Anyways, we're not going to. This isn't the Loa podcast, though it should be. Uh, so, um, basically, Kurt shows up. He's like, Pixie, I need your help. He's like, just get over here. Drags her off. And then we see Lost again, which is the girl from the original issue, which mm-hmm. uh, is really cool. I think she's going to play an important part. Yeah. And so Legion like pokes him. He's like, come on, like let's go. Um, and then uh, uh, one of Lost's powers was that she can mess up people's equilibrium, and she basically makes the entire bar throw up at the end, which is pretty funny. <laughs> Rainbow throw up is the best. <laughs> yeah, oh god, I missed it. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, basically, they get there. They find out that Orcus has been uh, cloning Legion. And basically using his brain, long story short, because we're running long on this, um, they've been using his brain to simulate attacks on Krakoa, basically to get to find out how to take down Krakoa. And they're able to stop them. And um, basically, like, Legion is just like, you can, you know, just kill me, because he's just a brain at this point. Yeah. They just removed his brain. He's like, just kill the brain and then, you know, clone me, bring me back. Which is cool because they can bring him back, you know, better, like more and control. By just a brain, he's literally been astral projecting this whole time. Yeah, exactly. His, yeah, when we say Legion, this is astral projection. So, um, and then he's just like, you know, you know as well as I do, there's only one way to stop this. And they're like, oh no. And then <laughs> Dr. Nemesis is like, you mean the science of homicide? I'll do it. Let me do it. <laughs> I've been interested to try this. And then Nightcar is like, no, I'll take care of it. And Everybody gets out. An oscillating liquefaction revolver. This fucking madman. (laughs) He's the best. And then so Nightcar makes them leave. And I love the line, perhaps there are sins worth sinning. Ooh. Good shit. Um, And he does the forgive me, father, for, for, you know what, never mind. (sighs) Which is just (laughs) heart-wrenching. And then he shoots Legion. We cut back to Krakoa. Legion's brought back. Fascinating thing I noticed in this one. 
Both Zorns are there. Yes. Also, the little, the little, also Easter egg of that making making this whole worth it. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Mercury and Loa like sitting there together. I get it. <laughs> I'm bitter. <laughs> so, uh, and then Legion comes back and he seems to be pretty in control. He's like, "You dad, you're all dead. You look like a crap astronaut." Uh, he's use, he's using his fire powers, which is one of the ones. Like he seems to be using a couple different powers. Mm-hmm. Which he normally, it's the whole thing, like his identity has to change yeah. for him to switch powers. So he's definitely in more control of what's going on. Well, again, post-resurrection, you're supposed to kind of. Mm-hmm. So I want to see how stable his mind's going to be. So basically, he's like, hey, call me Legion, basically. After he like, just it, it, It's whole... a throwback with Nightcrawler, like mm-hmm. being called Nightcrawler and stuff. He's making it his own, basically. So, And then we get this whole thing where... Magneto leading to something we know is coming is just like, hey, I have a mission with several other Omega level mutants are involved. I'd like your participation. He's like, no, I don't trust you. <laughs> and then Xavier's like, no, he's okay now. He's like, I don't trust you either. <laughs> yes. And they go to walk off. He's like, I trust Kurt, basically. Like, that's pretty much who I trust at this point. Mm-hmm. And they're walking off and they're talking. And then, holy fuck, did I get chills when this happened? Dude. Um, he's talking and they're talking about the Patrick man. And he goes, you know, he thought, Legion was Patrick Man. He's like, "Do you know the Patrick Man?" And he goes, "I do. I can sense him, Kurt. Clear as day, and there's a good reason I didn't say so to Dad or Magneto. Parents don't always think straight when it comes to their heirs." Onslaught, Kurt. It's bloody onslaught. Fuck, dude. Oh. And it's just like looming in the in the clouds. Yes. It's just like fuck. So that could explain a lot about how like Krakoans don't seem to really sleep that well. Mm-hmm. Like everything seems to be a little off in Krakoa. Yeah, I mean, this is the so beginning that can explain- of like in um, New Mutants, like the whole thing with like the kids and Beak's dad, Beak's parents, like or re- erasing Beak's uh, memory is like that was some dark ass shit that we we're calling from way back then. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. They've been basically saying Krakoa's paradise, but there's just something off. Yeah, this could be the payoff of that. Yeah. That's been building like ever since. So, oh, so good. I had the one long term story. The one thing I hadn't fucking noticed was, uh, yeah, we've been waiting for, or what is planet size X Men? It's just like a huge colossal thing, and it really wasn't until Magneto's part here talking to Legion that because because again, I always get thrown off. I always forget that Iceman counts as an Omega level mutant. So when I when we've been seeing those solicitations of planet size and it's Magneto Gene. Storm and Iceman, it was like, oh, mm. what the fuck is this about? I had not considered that all four of them are Omega level. Yeah. Yeah, that's curious. And now he wanted... I wonder if, I wonder if Quentin Quire is going to get involved. Well, that's cool. Omega and now level. he wanted Legion for Planet Size X-Men, but he was like, obviously, he's like, nah. But now I'm now I'm that much more interested in a whole book about just the Omegas. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. We'll see. And then how does that play into the trial of Magneto? You know, mm-hmm. so, yeah. But yeah, okay. So that's it. Did you have anything else you want to bring up real quick? Because we ran long. No, yeah, we did. Uh, no, that was everything. Great week of comics. Yeah, a lot of a lot of them that, like you said, did turn us around, or at least like to solidify of us being clenched into this these books. Nice. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on We Have Issues. Uh, we're gonna get our plugs out of the way really quick. Uh, you can check me out at WHI Podcast Keith. Our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz. Hostway at Hostway Reads Hostway. Check out our sister show, Jukebox Vertigo at Jukebox Vertigo. Our next category is cover songs better than the original. Oof. It is guaranteed to be controversial. <laughs> uh, I, and by the way, uh, shout out to Mars, our friend Mars. I listened to, I, I wasn't there for the live stream, but I listened to the show back uh, that you were on her show. Mm-hmm. 
um, last weekend. So that was a lot of fun. Oh yeah, hell yeah, uh, it was. I remembered because you mentioned Jukebox Vertigo and talked about that like right away. So <laughs> um, also um, check us out on this show at WHI Podcast. You can also check us out at Geek Elite Media and GeekEliteMedia.com. Anywhere you find Geek Elite stuff, that's us. Um, and just, yeah, look out for all that. I also want to give a shout out to uh, another one of the Geek Elite Media shows, Love of Pages. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, Steven was so sweet and gave me, a sh- gave pod- WHI Podcast uh-huh. a shout out at the end of Love of Pages because I helped him pick their next read. Ooh. And instead of plugging his own Twitter, he plugged us. And I was like, <laughs> I got embarrassed. <laughs> so I'm doing it right back. So check out Love of Pages. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a great uh, book club with uh, four friends just reading books. They're doing a Sherlock Holmes themed month. And I'm going to go ahead and reveal what happened because uh, I don't think any of them really knew except Steven. They each got to pick a Sherlock Holmes style story. Ooh, okay. Um, the host picked uh, A Study in Scarlet, which is the first Sherlock Holmes story. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessica picked A Study in Charlotte, which is a YA novel about a descendant of Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> um, Naima picked uh, uh, a Lupin novel, the the thief that that actually fought Sherlock Holmes at a certain point. And then Stephen didn't have one, and I recommended a story by Neil Gaiman, which is called A Study in Emerald, oh. which is Sherlock Holmes, but in an Elder God world. What if the Queen of England wasn't Elizabeth or Victoria, but was an Elder God? Oh, and all sick. the countries are ruled by Elder Gods, and Emerald is the color of the blood. Someone killed one of the gods, and it's a murder mystery about that. And there's some cool twists. So <laughs> basically, Sh- v- Victorian Sherlock plus Cthulhu. Yeah, good that's shit. Cool. <laughs> so, so I don't think any of them knew, and I think because I think they mostly read other themes. So I'm kind of I'm really excited for that episode. So I want to make sure <laughs> I plug it. So, um, but yeah, guys, thank you so much for joining us. We really, truly, always appreciate it so much. Keep an eye out for an important announcement that might be coming soon. I'm going to tease that right now um, about a possible spinoff. And hopefully it's a good spinoff, you know, more Jeffersons, less Joey. Um, but <laughs> am I too old? Was that was that too old? <laughs> I actually really like that one. Okay. <laughs> but thanks again, guys. We really, truly appreciate it. And expect to see our producer, Liz, back on the air soon. Yes. Uh, very excited to have her back because she always has very strong opinions. <laughs> and the Geek Elite group doesn't really know her yet. And I'm very excited for her to get to know you guys. So... Again, thank you for joining us. We always appreciate it. And don't forget to always geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.